Iron Man 3, Thor The Dark World, Captain America The Winter Soldier, Guardians of the Galaxy, Avengers Age of Ultron, and Ant-Man. Join us today for a special episode of The Effies, as we're joined by guests Thad and Michael to give out awards to Phase 2 of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. This is The Effies, the MCU Phase 2. to another episode of the Planet Fantasy Podcast. And we're your hosts, Damon and Kyle. How's it going? It is going good, my friend. How are you? It's been good. It's been a long week full of tornadoes and power outages. And now, basketball playoffs. So, it's, you know, I'm ready to get into that part. How's yours been, man? Yeah, dude, just uh, get adjusted to a new job and re-watching some MCU stuff, which is always fun. I... Uh, I told our, our friends on our group chat before we started, I've been doing like a chronological rewatch of the MCU even before like we had this episode planned out and it just happened to work out that I got to phase two right as we were getting ready for this episode. Um, so I was trying to fit in everything. Like I, Damon and Thad are gonna hate me. I wasn't gonna bother with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. It's just, I've given up trying to watch that show. Um, but I wanted to do the Netflix stuff too. And I almost got through all of it, but I got to a point yesterday where I finished Jessica Jones season one and looked at my list and realized I still had Daredevil season two and Luke Cage season one before Ant-Man. Like I hate the way that's that's chronologically laid out. So I had to skip those to do Ant-Man. Uh, but it's been good, man. I fucking love the Netflix stuff. It's so good. Such good stuff. Um, speaking of our guests, we uh, have producing for us today, Ryan, joining us. It's good to see you, man. Um, and also, for the Effies, we have Thad and Michael. Thad, how's it going, man? It's going pretty good. Nice, nice. Michael, how are you doing? I'm living, man. I'm enjoying being back on here. Hell yeah, it's great to have y'all. Um... Let's go ahead and, and just dive on in, shall we? Um, let's go ahead and jump into the opening thoughts of Phase 2 of the MCU. Michael, what were your thoughts on just, in general, the movies, the tone, the setting, and everything that was happening during Phase 2 for you? This is, um, this is kind of the, you know, the sophomore year phase for them you know they they great job you know casting robert downey jr as iron man great job you know casting thor casting captain america you know you had you had no idea if they were going to be able to pull those off wrapping everything up in a, a, a really when you go back and look at it a really loaded avengers movie um that hit everything out of the park and then this was man are are, are we going to hit the slump or are we going to continue the trajectory? And they kind of did both. Um, I did not remember this phase very fondly and found myself liking a whole lot more about it than I thought, especially because phase three is so, so phase three is just hit after hit after hit after hit. Um, and now that we've kind of worked the continuity in, the fact that you can 
think about um, the Netflix Marvel shows as part of phase two kind of does the same thing. It kind of makes it a little sophomore slump and a little more, wow, this is really good when you consider there are episodes of Luke Cage that are as good as anything else in the MCU. The first season of Jessica Jones is, is absolutely wonderful. And the same thing with Daredevil, but some of it, man, does, does not land in, in a similar way to some, some of the early phase two movies do. So it was fun to go back and look at, and I was more surprised than I thought about how much I enjoyed most of this. Hell yeah. Kyle, how did you feel about phase two? Yeah, I feel like it's it's been fun to like I like I love where the MCU is now with like all of this multiverse stuff and like we are at such a huge place for the MCU and I remember thinking after the end of, after Endgame I was kind of like like what's what are they gonna do now like I, what what is next and obviously they've done a good job of continuing the story and like kind of passing the torch on to like younger heroes and stuff but I remember like watching phase two and now even like rewatching, I kind of appreciate the simplicity of it in comparison. Like it's just, it's still pretty, I mean, Age of Ultron's a pretty big movie and like stuff like that, but you, you get pretty like simple stories of just like either the solo hero stuff with like Ant-Man or Winter Soldier, um, or you get like the team ups, Guardians and like Age of Ultron are still pretty like simplified. I mean, Age of Ultron is still kind of our core Avengers plus Wanda and Pietro, you know, um, and Vision. Um, but I, I appreciate the simplicity of it. And I also love that phase two is where you can definitely tell, like Michael was saying, they kind of understood with phase one, they had, they had a success. So they're like, all right, now we can start testing what we can do. And phase two is when they really start doing what everyone loves about the MCU now, which is like testing genres. You know, you get like a political thriller with Winter Soldier, you get a space opera with Guardians of the Galaxy. Like you get all these different genres that, like Michael said, maybe not everything lands, but it's cool that they started testing that because now that's kind of their brand is to just be like, what if rom-com? What if <laughs> historical thriller? Like, what if this? So they just kind of do whatever they want. And so I'm here for it. Like, do do more horror-centric movies. Maybe that's what Multiverse of Madness is going to be. Like, do more genre stuff. And I'm, I'm excited for the future, but it is fun to look back at Phase 2 and how simple it was. What if spooky? I'm here for it. <laughs> In the MCU. Um, yeah, just I'm not going to try to echo all of that. That was all brilliantly said. I just really see phase two as the bridge and really a very pivotal bridge from the beginning to the end. Obviously, it's always hard to kind of be that middle movie, so to say. And this is kind of the middle phase of the uh, MCU saga, so to say. And it had to do a lot of work. Um, it had to start, you know, breaking down characters It had to start bringing up a lot of conflict it had to set up a lot and sometimes maybe some of the movies suffered for it damn you train i hate you um but in the end it, i felt like they succeeded they really did even if some people consider this to have some of the worst movies of the entire mcu it also has some of the best in my opinion um and it makes up for it and even in the bad movies or the lesser movies, rather, there's a lot of good stuff there. And a lot of stuff that, like the MCU has shown us time and time again, anything that doesn't work the first time, it gets that second chance. Yeah. And they just put that MCU spin on it. It's like, hey, guess what? It doesn't matter. It's better now. You like it. Let's move on. Um, and it actually, I'll, we'll 
get into this when we talk more about the awards. These movies are all better now because of the movies after it. It just it builds on the future, and you're like, oh, wow, this hits so differently because of you know it's coming. Uh, the foreshadowing, all the, the progression and the character uh, relationships, it's just even better to like see it from the beginning on. So I really like Phase 2. Thad, uh, your thoughts? Yeah, you know, I think if you would have asked anyone right after Phase 2, or maybe at the, right before Infinity Wars or uh, Endgame, people would have definitely said, oh man, Phase 2. I mean, th- that's the weak point. I mean, Dark World, <laughs> Ultron, wh- what are they going to do with that? There's there's nothing important that happens in those movies. <laughs> and, and then you see Endgame, and you see Infinity War, and then... Oh, okay, like you said, we've got a lot of foreshadowing, we've got a lot of stuff that they've kind of just brought back and kind of forcing you to look at it and kind of reevaluate. Like, look, 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 see, it it was good. It was good all along. We (laughs) meant for this to happen, and you were all wrong. (laughs) Basically, yeah, that's Feige being like, I've always been right. All of you have been wrong. <laughs> well, I, I think there's even there's there's a bravery in unlike maybe some of the other properties that we've covered in saying, hey, maybe we didn't hit it all the way out of the park with this one. Maybe we should incorporate this or circle back around to it in future properties. And, and I mean, you know, WandaVision really does a number. It, it, it puts a whole bunch of Band-Aids on Age of Ultron and some of the sillier stuff in that. Um, you know, again, like my favorite Dungeons and Dragons campaign gone wrong, Thor of the Dark World. There's a lot of stuff that circles back around to things that happened in that. I mean, the way they depicted the ether, the way the ether plays into um, Infinity War, and even the way that like the multiversal stuff, the appearances, the way like in the preview for um, Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness, where the, the kind of the cubes are coming apart as he's fighting that one scene, that they're all circling back to. Um, this the way the ether was presented in in Dark World, and I just I think there's a there's a bravery in not saying we're just going to retcon this and act like it never happened, but saying hey we'll find a way to go back and explain this and make this make more sense. Um, I, I just I really like the way they've done that. Hell yeah, I love that. Um, I think we are all in agreement that it's time to give out some awards. Let's do this. And the nominees for What If are? All right, the What If Award. Kicking things off with a brand new addition to these Effies. Um, this was a suggestion by Fad himself. Um, this is going to be a lot of fun, kind of an experimentation of like what, you know, phase two, like you said, is, well, it's fun to look back, but what do we think could have happened if something was different? The casting choice was different, if a directing choice was different, whatever, uh, plot line. So, Michael, kick us off. What's your nominee for the What If Award? Wow. Um, Listen, I'd like to apologize to all the ladies out there. Because my what if is in the grand tradition of Marvel taking the most compelling villains they have and killing them off in their solo movies. (laughs) What if they killed the Winter Soldier? Wow. You know what? Um, And you know what? We're, We're in the multiverse now, so there's a whole lot of speculation about you know, whether Michael B. Jordan's uh, Black Panther, Eric Killmonger can come back. Um, 
you know, there's there's a lot to be said about the fact that um, uh, Tony Lee, Tony Leung's um, what is what is what is the dad's name in uh, when Shang Chi? What's his? I can't remember his character's name. Um, one of the more compelling Marvel villains, a wonderful nuanced performance by a father and a husband living with grief and, and everything. It, that guy's dead and gone. We can't have him come back and have another turn. Um, so what if they had just done the same with Bucky? Um, he showed he's pivotal to the Wakanda arc. Um, he's amazingly important to, to Cap's story. He's the catalyst for how they they um, they did, did um, uh, Civil War, right? Civil War in the comics is a little bit different. It's a lot different, but he's kind of the impetus to what splits the team in a lot of ways. Um, I think he has some of the. I'm I'm still the person out here all alone with my flag in the sand, saying that uh, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier is is probably top three of the Marvel shows that have come out. I still really, really, really appreciate that one, and he has some of the most important lines in that. Kyle, I know you are too. I'm. I'm Fuck not you. Me, me and you were holding the flag simultaneously. That's right. Um, I just flag smashers. They've gotten a lot of mileage out of um, the the deep respect and friendship and love that um, Steve Rogers has for Bucky Barnes. So, what would the MCU have done if they had just killed Bucky off? then and you don't have him around for i mean all of phase three that's one you, you lose out on all of those bucky barnes bucks that he is rolling in for for disney right now um that's it uh kyle what's yours uh all right let's see i yeah i'm actually glad you did that because it makes me feel better about mine um I'm going to go kind of a different route, though, because I think it directly affects a character arc um, that was already prominently featured. But I'm going to go with what if Pepper Potts had died in the end of Iron Man 3? Um, and I know we're not just we're not here to kill people off for the fun of it. But but I think this is very important because going into phase three, say what you will about Iron Man 3. I certainly will because it sucks. Um, <laughs> Tony goes into phase three like very changed and kind of wanting to settle down and that's because of Pepper and he's already pretty volatile in Civil War and going forward but imagine if there's no Pepper in that scenario. I think that first of all the lines would be drawn much clearer in what side people took. Like a lot of people like to say they're team caps just because it's like the popular option but like here's my hot take. T team Cap is just as wrong as Team Iron Man is in Civil War. I'm sure we'll talk about that more on the Phase 3 episode but um, I think if there's no Pepper that pushes Tony off the ledge in a way that it happened with Pietro and Wanda. I think that he kind of goes the Wanda route, loses his kind of link to humanity, his chance at a family. You don't get him getting a family at, in, in Endgame. So that I feel like that also affects his choices because Endgame was like, he was completely centered on getting back home to his family. So I feel like he would be a lot more reckless. I feel like we would just have a, a, maybe a closer to a demon in a bottle story arc kind of Iron Man that they tried to attempt in Iron Man 2. Um, but, and I don't, I'm not saying this because I don't like Pepper. Um, I honestly, don't like the way they have used her because I like her as a character. I think they just kind of have wasted the character. But I just think that if if she dies, because there is a big fake out that I had forgotten about when I until I rewatched the movie. There's this big fake out at the end of the movie where you think she has died, um, and I just think that that would 
one, it would kind of answer the, the criticism that a lot of people have of the MCU sometimes, especially during phase two, that there's just no consequences to these movies or no stakes. Um, and of course, the MCU has now rectified that with stuff like Infinity War and No Way Home and stuff like that. There's definitely stakes and consequences in these movies, but I feel like in phase two, that was not really the case. So I feel like if you kill someone as crucial as Pepper, yeah, that just sets Tony up for a really interesting character arc and trajectory that I think would have been compelling to watch. So That's a lot of branching off on that one. A lot of stuff could happen with that. Dad. The better question is, if this happens, does Gwyneth Paltrow remember any of her time in the MCU? <laughs> Wait a second. Was I in Hawkeye? <laughs> Kyle, just admit it. You wanted to, you wanted to kill her off sooner so you can get some of those funky smelling candles just it's a true. few years earlier. It's true. I wanted stock and goop. That's what I wanted. Goop stock. <laughs> uh, Thad, what's your nom? All right. Well. There's so many that I have to choose from. I could go with a casting one. I can go with a directing one. Um, but you know what? Since you guys have gone uh, story-wise, I'll go with uh, what if Odin was a good father? <laughs> oh. What if Odin was a good father? Do, do we get does Michael's beloved Rene Russo get get got? Do we get Loki? I mean, does Hela come back and is she the one that like kills Thanos like right off the bat? Like, what are we getting here if Odin is just a good father? Wow. I would like to argue that that's more of a just MCU what if instead of a yeah. strictly <laughs> phase two. Just saying that's a bit of a cheat. That's an amazing one. What if Odin was awake is the better question. <laughs> yeah. What if, if if Daddy Odin was just not sleeping all the time? Um, okay, well, let's see if I can beat that then. I have two really good ones. I'm surprised one of them isn't off the board. Now I have to choose. I'm going to go with the fun one because I always think I like the story ones because it's it actually changes a lot. Um, the other one, I don't think it would have changed too much. What if our guy Pietro actually, you know, decided, oh, wow, I can actually run faster than these bullets. Let me let me move Hawkeye and this kid out of the way so we all don't die. <sighs> that, that terrible, terrible way for him to die, for one. But also, what if Pietro did not die? Uh, we get a lot of difference in the future going forward. Wanda's story, how different does that change um and also we get us we get pietro we get a story about quicksilver how do they implement him going forward into the future uh what's he doing during civil civil war uh who does he side with uh do we have like him versus wanda going at it in civil war you know does he end up dying anyways in the future at a more inopportune time um you know there's a lot that could happen but i i just think we should have gotten at least another movie with our guy. I like Aaron Taylor Johnson. Um, he was fun. He was really good in Ultron, I thought. Um, and it's just as far as the character goes, I thought they didn't need to kill him off. So that's my what if. Um, and now for the voting. Michael, who are you going with? 
I'm I'm gonna stick with mine with Bucky. Although yours is super interesting, and I'd I'd want to clarify if Pietro lives, does Clint die? Because I think Clint dying, giving Ultron some stakes, you trade out one like no powered Avenger for a powered Avenger. What does that do to the Hawkeye series down the road? How do they implement Kate? That one, that one has a little bit of legs to it if you, if you actually if you trade those two. Um, but I, I just do think that because of um, because of how much he's interwoven through uh, phase three and phase four, I'm going to stick with uh, what if the Winter Soldier had died? All right. Kyle, what are you thinking? These are all really, really good nominees, um, and they do all have a lot of bearing on the, the franchise as a whole going forward. I'm surprised none of us went with, um, actually, I'm really surprised Thad did not, because this is his boy. I'm surprised we didn't go with, what if Edgar Wright directed Ant-Man? Yeah, that was, that was going to be my second one, yeah. Which, I, I thought of it, but also, like Damon said, it doesn't really change a lot. It just makes, it probably just makes Ant-Man a better movie, which is already in its own right a great movie, but, you know, we all love Edgar Wright. Um, but, yeah, like, Story-wise, I I think Pietro is is my vote because it's kind of it's the inverse of what I'm talking about with Pepper, right? Like, if Pietro survives, I think it affects Wanda's arc. It affects like like Michael said, it affects affects Clint if he if he does get killed right there. Um, yeah, but I, I'm really curious because Wanda has ended up being basically everyone's like favorite character in this franchise, and I don't know if that would actually be the case if not for this really defining moment in her life. Like, I feel like if she doesn't lose Pietro, you know, what happens down the line when she does lose Vision, or does she, does she still lose Vision? Like, you know, what it's kind of like the show. What if like one thing changing really kind of changes everything else? So. Um, I, I like that one a lot. I think it, it directly affects the entire franchise. So I'm going to go with that one. All right. Thad, what's got your vote? All right. Well, first off, um, Michael, you're very brave to vote for your own thing. And you're very lucky that uh, Anna H is not here because she would have murdered you. It's because <laughs> of the producer swap. It's because of the producer swap. <laughs> I will not be voting for Michael because I don't want her to murder me. So... That is just completely off the table. Um, <laughs> uh, I think I will go with... Um, yeah, you know what? I think I'll go with Pietro. Even though a part of me thinks that somehow... Like, during Civil War, when Vision shoots and misses and hits Rhodey, it's going to somehow hit the ground and murder <laughs> Pietro. He didn't see that but, one coming. He still didn't see No, didn't coming. see that one coming. <laughs> but I still think that because of the arc that Wanda has gone on, I think that's probably the one that would affect things the most. So yeah, I'll give I'll go with the I'll go with PHO Living. Okay. I, I really like mine. And I really like Anna H. So don't kill me. <laughs> but I'm I'm thinking about the Winter Soldier because it changes a lot. It does. You don't get Civil War? Or if you if you do, it's on a completely different conflict. What is Zemo, like, what's our guy Zemo going to do? It's possible it, go, it, it then shifts to Wanda, because 
like her blowing up that building is also kind of it's not the catalyst but it's a direct it's a direct thing that happens that kind of kicks things off correct but you then don't have the elevated thing of like cap loves bucky don't touch my bucky right i mean the the comic books are are, the comic books are for what incites civil wars is different enough and it involves the mutants so like there's a whole bunch of like they 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 couldn't do that they didn't have the x-men at that time but there is i'm sure they would have figured out a way to to get that done but you just think about like how much that goes into goes into play he 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 is a big part of the wakanda storyline um and again like his you know his his moment in therapy with Sam, where he's like, you know, if if Cap was wrong, then what if he was wrong wrong about you? Then what if he was wrong about me? I mean, that was that was one of like maybe three real touchstone moments in that in that show, and, and outside of of um, you know, uh, of of the kind of like the classic my favorite line in, in maybe all of the MCU. That's that's one of the most important and best acted moments in all of the Marvel TV shows. So if you lose Sebastian Stan as that kind of, he really is like your three and D guy. He can fill in anywhere. He's a super soldier. He's a power hero. Um, He's the kind of glue that, that, that keeps a lot of these different characters melded together. His chemistry with Anthony Mackie as the Falcon is, is underrated. You, You don't get that. Can you move your seat up moment? um <laughs> you, you know those two have together you, you, i think you lose a lot of you have to find somebody else to be that glue and i think you could have done it i mean obviously like don Cheadle's a good enough actor to have pulled this off um you, we, we've all seen that like you know uh, uh you know wanda's a good enough actor to have pulled this off right but I, I don't know. It's it's a really good one. This is a really tough one be, between what if Pietro survives and what if what if Bucky dies. I think this is a really really tough decision. And I think our producer has his work cut out for him. Does he does he hate his fellow producer? <laughs> yeah, first producer. first award of the night also gets the first tiebreaker of the night. Ryan, go. I'm gonna need your help wow. here. Way to put me on the spot right there. Um, <laughs> yeah, this this is tough. Um, the case for Pietro was really interesting. I would not have thought of that going into this category if you guys made a great case for it. Um, I do have to go with Bucky, though. I think he just touches so many of the most important characters and most important stories of the franchise that I, I think that would be the biggest what if. So that's going to be my tie-breaking vote. Um, it's probably not great that the friend we're pissing off watches so many true crime documentaries, uh, <laughs> but there you go. Um, and uh, also, Pietro is the second biggest loss in Age of Ultron behind uh, Wanda's Sokovian accent. <laughs> oh, thank you so much, Ryan, for that. And we have a winner. And the FE goes to... What if they killed the Winter Soldier? The nominees for Best Fight are... Best Fight, y'all. There's some really good ones in this one. <sighs> Spanning over the six movies, we have like a handful of really fun ones, very well shot, some very meaningful ones. But which four are going to get the noms? Thad, let's start with you. What do you got? I will take the the best one right off the board immediately. I'm going with the Cap and Bucky and the Winter Soldier. Uh, the street level one, the hand to hand, 
I'm taking that one right off, right off the board. Okay, that are you, are you specifically only having those two fighting, or like the entire, or like the like the highway fight, fight in general, like the whole action sequence? Can you include the entire sequence, or are we just going like a one-on-one or like a big villain battle? I that's the way I thought of it. I think this category is really just like the best action sequence. So if you want to say you're going with that entire highway sequence from when he rips Sitwell out of the car to like that whole sequence, I think if you want to, that's that's fine. All right, yeah, I'll take that then. Okay. Love a good, good. car chase into a hand-to-hand combat. Yeah. Just right. premium spy shit. <laughs> uh, Kyle, what's your nom? Uh, it's tempting to not... Most of my honorable mentions are all from The Morning Soldier. Um, I'm So just for variety's sake, I won't go with the other kind of obvious one from Winter Soldier. I'm going to go with... We're two categories in, and I'm already going to start defending Age of Ultron. Um, I'm going to go with what I'm going to say is not only my, my favorite action sequence in the MCU, it's probably my favorite opening to a movie in the MCU, and that is the Avengers ambushing Destructor Compound um, in Age of Ultron. Uh, we'll talk about this more with other awards, but I think Age of Ultron is so special. Messy as it is, I think it's so special because it is the only Avengers movie where our Avengers are a unit and a team. Like the first one is them coming together and figuring out how to work together. Civil War is obviously the big breakup. And then Infinity War and Endgame, they're all split up. Like they're not really together until that portal sequence at the end of the movie. And so Age of Ultron, especially that opening, it is a thing of beauty to see them storming that compound as like a well-oiled machine. So I'm basically going with that entire sequence where they, you know, you get uh, language and you get all the great lines and you get Stark uh, getting his incredible vision of basically Infinity War and Endgame. Uh, just that entire sequence, you get to see Wanda and Pietro's powers for the first time. And it's just a great, great way to introduce the movie. All right. Michael, what's yours? I I don't. The only answer to this is the Winter Soldier street fight, the the highway fight. That's the only answer. It's the only one that I wrote down for propriety's sake and to be a good sport. And I'm I'm not even I'm not going to vote for the one that I voted for. The absolute best action. And this is as somebody that's like moderately trained and skilled in close quarters combat. That scene is is beyond good. And I'm gonna I'm gonna geek out on um the assault kit that uh the winter soldier is wearing in that in that part because that's it's insane for the sake of naming something else i'm going to name the entire defense of uh of the planet from the dark aster at the end of uh guardians of the galaxy you've got the nova core linking their ships together um and what that costs all of them there's real i mean you know you've got like literally like thousands of pilots that die in that scene you've got the assault on the dark aster um you've got uh you know uh, gamora fighting uh nebula you've got groot's sacrifice you've got the dance off um and you've got the reveal that star lord is more than he seems um you get so much character you get so much heart you get comedy, you get tears in that sequence. It's probably the only thing that that rivals that for pure action spectacle. So I'm gonna go, I'm gonna put that one on the board, knowing I'm not gonna vote for it. Dad, you got you got the chance to pick the, the only one that really matters here. So yeah, I'm <laughs> um 
I'm going to go ahead and get the other option for Winter Soldier on the board. The fight on the ship. Uh, you get to see a girl, Nat. What? I love the fight on the ship. I absolutely love the fight on the ship. I do, too. I just uh, Go ahead, but I'm going to mention the other obvious one that none of us have picked. Go ahead. Keep going. That I considered that something. I, that I was going to talk about that later. Just Okay. All right, I'm sorry. Um, Go ahead. The ship, I think, is just, it's such a great opening. And this is when I fell in love with Captain America. Like, not only this movie, but this scene. You see that our guy Cap essentially watched a bunch of, like, mixed martial arts and all modern fighting movies and technique. He learned, he picked up some stuff since Avengers. And he just looks so sharp out there. Just him and the shield is just one. Uh, It's shot so well. It has that like real cool spy aspect to it. Nat's doing her thing. Then we have the the showdown with Batrock, which is just it's short but sweet. It, it's really great. And I don't know. I just I thought it's one. It's honestly probably one of my favorite beginnings of a Marvel movie. So um, yeah, I had to get that one on the board. I know which one you're talking about, Kyle. But yeah, we'll we'll talk more. Okay. Um, voting time. Thad. Are you voting for the one that Michael thinks is the only option? I certainly am. I'm voting for the <laughs> the Cap and, and Bucky fight. All right. Kyle? Yeah, this better be a clean sweep or I'm, I'm leaving the call right away. Um, it, it's the highway fight. It is. It starts with what I think has become one of my favorite memes in the entire MCU, which is it's like a freeze-frame shot of... Bucky ripping the roof off the car and Sam like looking up and they made this meme when Falcon and Winter Soldier start and it was like, oh, look at how these two dumbasses met for the first time. And it's like <laughs> ripping the roof off the car. Uh, it's it's that you get, really everyone gets to shine in a specific way. You get Nat kind of taking on Winter Soldier. You get Cap obviously fighting and then getting the phenomenal reveal of Bucky being Winter Soldier. You get to see Sam fight for really the first time in the movie. Um, it's it's just glorious all around. It, it is done so well. I remember I vividly remember seeing this movie in the theater, and this was after the other obvious one that we're not allowed to talk about until Damon talks about it later. Um, so I was already fully in, but I was like, this thing happened, and I was like, these motherfuckers know what they're doing. Hadn't seen Community yet at this point, so I was like, these Russo brothers, they're gonna make it someday. Um, and I was just fully, fully into this movie at this point because it's just a really like intense, well-executed sequence. So this is the only option. All right, Michael, tell us why your vote is the bridge fight. So there, there's like a few things in, in my life that have like all been kind of connected and like the Donald Glover, Ludwig Goranson community Russo brothers like circle is a huge, huge, huge one. I remember those guys when they were directing episodes of Community, when they did, you know, the paintball episodes. Um, the thing with this one, in addition to the Winter Soldier's kit, which I'll get to later, um, you get a really, and unlike a lot of other Marvel movies, you have a really strong under spatial understanding of where everyone is when this happens, right? You understand that, like, Bucky is, has, you know, ripped the top off of the car. You understand they're down, down under the overpass. You understand where Sam is providing covering fire from the overpass. You understand where Cap got thrown to. You understand where Nat is fighting him. Um, it's, it's as close to 
um, you know, the, the, the bank shootout in heat to where they're calling in, you know, exactly what streets they're on in downtown LA. Um, yeah. It's as close as you get to that because a lot of other fights, you know, because of the nature of superpowered individuals are, well, I don't know exactly how far they are from each other or how far this is, or, you know, how fast can Captain America run because he's running under this. You really get a sense of what's going on. And you, you get, this is the, the, when people talk about they depowered Bucky, this is what we remember. You remember him taking on, you know, two and a half Avengers um, and, and along with coordinating the tactical team, um, all of the hand-to-hand, all of the firearm stuff. Um, it, it's, there's, there's nothing like this in this phase of the MCU from an action standpoint, although there are other things that are phenomenal. I think that, you know, Kyle, you, the one you put up on the board of that initial fight, the raid on Strucker's compound is very, is very cool and very fun. You get the kind of the team up moments, but this is the one where you get, it really helps to characterize where Nat and where uh, Steve are in terms of, wow, what happens when they have a threat that can kind of take on both of them and how they have to work together for it. Okay. Um, Before we get to the sweep, it is a sweep. Don't worry, guys. Um, I want to mention one fight we didn't even ever bring up, which I felt like was a really big deal when it happened. And, like, it's just not ever talked about. Watching it again, it's like, this is a really good fight, but it's just, I don't know, there's something missing to it and it, it's the uh, the Hulkbuster fight mm. you know yeah it's good I like it, it it's really enjoyable but it like then you're like is that a you want to vote for it or you want to talk about it? it's like eh no I don't know it's just I don't know the, maybe more style than substance for that, that one it was that's just, the one that feels like the Batman versus Superman problem that, that everybody got into which is here's these two things punching buildings into the ground there's no consequences yeah, it, that actually, I I'll be honest. When I rewatched Age of Ultron, I had to fast forward through it. It's it's a little too long. It is. Um, yeah, it is. It, it's a it's a version of what they would do better with Iron Man's different suits later. Mm-hmm. I actually think the better action sequence is all the different suits at the end of Iron Man three. I, yeah. I actually really yeah. really don't like the Hulkbuster fight at all, and that could be a hot that this might be. The opening salvo of, of Mike's obtuse takes, you know, <laughs> MCU version, but I'm, I really I'm, don't like that fight at all. I'm glad I brought that up then. Uh, good to yeah. know. Yeah, I gotta agree, actually, because I think the the person who fights the best in the Hulkbuster suit is probably Banner. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> Banner's yeah. probably had the, the most interesting fights in the Hulkbuster suit. Mm-hmm. You're not wrong. Um, also, the battle for Xandar, really fun. A lot of stuff happens to it. And of course, I voted, I nominated and voted for a similar kind of thing in phase mm-hmm. one, the battle for New York. Right. You know, very sprawl, very long. So much happens in it. Like, it's almost like, is that like almost too much? Um, I best really like that. The, best part of that entire sequence, though, it's the Yondu darts. It's just so fucking cool. The first time I got introduced to that weapon, I lost my god. It was the coolest weapon in the entire MCU. God tier OP weapon, right yeah, there. Yeah, absolutely. The Strucker compound fight. Oh, was that? Co- 
All right, I was saying I appreciate y'all um, voting to uh, get us some brownie points from Anna by immediately giving Bucky some shine the round after we kill him off. Right after killing him. <laughs> oh, yeah. We, we, we know what's up. We know what we're doing here. Um, the compound fight, like Kyle said, really great the fact that the Avengers are actually a unit. They fi- they're fighting so well together. We get some of those awesome tandem moments. Thor Thor's hammer on the shield. Mm. Just lot just blows them down. So the one tracking shot is beautiful. It's yep. so good. It gets me hyped up. Um, all the t- moments with the twins. You have the one uh, Hydra agent who's like, "It's the Avengers." Guys, <laughs> <laughs> like guys, what's wrong with you? All? We're about to die. Like, <laughs> it's like when um, Stark is like, "It was a good talk," and the guys on the ground are like, "No, it wasn't." <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's really good. I all these are really good ones. But it's it's the highway bridge fight for mm-hmm. everything that y'all said. Bucky with the knife, some of the smoothest, cleanest knife work right there. The brutality of it, like he's just rough with it. Like everyone's getting thrown around, everyone's getting beaten the hell up. There was gunfire, really, you know, intense. It, good action sequences use use as much space and all the space that it has to its full potential. This does it all. It moves a lot. Yeah, a lot of action. You have every all the players in it, and you get the reveal. Bucky, who's Bucky? Um, just yeah. I, I I just love it. Um, one of my favorite moments of that movie. So yeah, I've got a distinct movie thing. Just quick, uh, that I watched a movie in the theater, and right when that reveal happened, there was literally the same time a woman next to me who could clearly never seen or or read any of the comics, the mask comes off and an audible gasp. Goes, oh shit, it's Bucky! And she's like, she stands up and she's pointing at the screen. <laughs> yeah. So Thad saw this movie with producer Anna H. Uh, that's that's how they met. <laughs> oh man. All right. That That's a W. Let's move on. And the F.E. goes to... Natasha, Sam, and Captain America take on the Winter Soldier and Hydra on the highway. And Captain America, the Winter Soldier. For the Best Quote Award, the nominees are... All right. Next up, Best Quote. Lots of great lines in the MCU. Lots of quippy one-liners and meaningful dramatic shit. So, Damon, kick us off. What is your best quote for me? Phase 2 of the MCU. There's there's some good ones. I always go back and forth to go with the really really profound meaningful ones and the stupid silly ones. <laughs> this one, this phase two really is when we got the comedic tone for the future of the MCU. We got Ant Man, Guardians, um, Iron Man three is on a different level of quippiness than Iron Man 1 and 2 is. I mean, if you do have Shane Black. Um, and, and it's just, it's it's like this heightened level of, of humor throughout on all almost all of them, other than I'd say Dark World. Dark World is 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 dark, and it, it is what it is. Um, I like it more than a lot of people, though, still, I'll say. Um, and this is just one of the quotes that like people still say today, it's from one of the breakout characters of Phase 2. Um, nothing goes over my head. My reflexes are too fast. I would catch it. 
Our guy Drax, the Destroyer from <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, such a great line. He has many, but that one is just chef's kiss. Um, Michael, what's your nom? You know, it's funny because I, I, the best quotes for me, I had two from Guardians and I had two from Ant-Man. Um, and I'm going to use my other one from Guardians here because I think that that, uh, I won't forecast too much. I have a lot of love for that movie. Um, and it's when, um, you know, they're, they're in, what is it? Nowhere. And they're, they're asking him, why did you go back and, and get this, the walk man and what happens to people and, and you don't dance, Gamora, you don't dance. And I'm going to tell you this story about this hero named Kevin Bacon and this story called Footloose. And he puts the headphones on her and it's playing a song that I heard coming from, uh, my parents, uh, when they were cleaning in my parents' bedroom, uh, which is fooled around and fell in love and their fingers intertwine and they get close and she goes, I know who you are, Peter Quill, and I am not some starry eyed waif here to succumb to your, your pelvic sorcery. Uh, I just think that hits so close not not so close to home i don't want to reveal too much about what's been going on with me lately um but it, the start of their relationship the start of their you know she's obviously like this guy's an idiot but there is a smoothness to him um to to, to peter quill and even someone who's a you know cybernetically modified assassin is not immune to the charms of of you know mid-80s love ballads and the fact that she gets so close and then has to pull herself back, um, that's just that's just a fun moment. That's a fun quote that's stuck with me since the first time I saw that movie. That's a good one. Dad, what's yours? All right. Well, uh, my quote is actually also from Guardians. <laughs> um, but uh, Kyle, try not to cry. Um, my quote is, take my hand. And the tears are Fuck coming you. from Kyle's face. Fuck you, dude. <laughs> that is my, uh, I think that is just such a great emotional beat in that movie. And right from the beginning, you get it. And then right at the end and the inner, them intertwining with his mom and Gamora and just the take my hand. It was just, that's the best quote for me. That's a good one. It's got layers. Kyle, what's yours? All right, so I'm basically banned from picking one from Guardians. Um, Sorry. I, no, it's okay. I, I'll mention them in honorable mentions. There's two I, I also love from Guardians. But now I'm, I'm torn on, like, a serious one or a funny one. Um, yeah, I'm going to go with one. Ugh, I'm torn between two from Cap. They're both really, really badass lines from Cap. Um, one's a little more generic. So I'm going to go with one from Age of Ultron again. I'm not going to vote for things from Age of Ultron for every award, I promise. But this is a great one, and it just at this point, I'm pretty much sure most of us were already sold on Cap after Winter Soldier, um, and so him kind of being the leader in Age of Ultron was more convincing. Um, this is at the end when they're defending Sokovia, and he's on the radio talking to his team. Uh, he's giving a speech about fighting off the, the Ultron bots, and he says, "You get hurt, hurt him back. You get killed, walk it off." Just such a badass line, and totally like exemplifies who Cap is as a person, as a soldier, as a, an Avenger, like 
I love it. It's just that that is him to a T. That's basically another version of I could do this all day. Um, and yeah, I just I love it. Is is everything that Steve Rogers says just a variation of I can do this all day? Basically, yeah. <laughs> I think so. I'm not complaining. Um, those are some good ones. Um, three Guardians, one Ultron. What are we going with? I don't know what I'm going with. Um, I'm going with mine. I, it's hilarious. It's quoted still. I Like, you know, if you just want to be funny about any, something going over someone's head, you usually are quoting this. So uh, I love it. It's mine. That's my vote. What are you going with, Michael? It's It's tough. I think, I think Fat. If you had gone with "We Are Groot," I would have gone with that one, because that's that's another moment, and and even considering how you know how Groot talks throughout the entire, that's the only time he deviates from his only three words, and that how how important that was. Um, I I'm gonna go with Kyle's because I think that's harder to pull off. I think um, I think you're right. Uh, the breakout character from Guardians, outside of Baby Groot, is Drax. Finding someone with the physique who could pull that off, who could deadpan that type of line is is important, and that's the more important um, character discovery in Phase Two. But Cap pulling off—it's the kind of thing you get from a military leader, right? Someone who's kind of corny and kind of earnest. And you know he's going to live that, right? If you get hurt, hurt him back. If you get killed, walk it off. Is the type of dumb thing, you could write that for any football coach in any movie, anywhere. But the type of coach that can deliver that is special. And I think that in a much maligned movie, his ability to live. You remember, uh, uh, Chris Evans was a clown before i mean he was the clown from like not another team movie not another team movie clown, yeah. you know uh uh Johnny Storm. the fact that you got that this guy had this in him and again i'm very excited for the third and fourth phases of his career um i know a lot's been written and said about like well there's no more action stars there's no more movie stars everybody's just in a marvel movie i think we're gonna find that chris evans is uniquely talented and across his career and this is one of those moments that i think will be when he i think when he does win an oscar for something well deserved same with chris pine i think chris pine's really 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 good yeah and it's hard to play uh you know young captain kirk in the same way that we found it's impossible to play young han solo I think Chris Evans' ability to pull that off says more about what type of actor he is than anything else. All right. Dad, what's yours? What's your vote? I am going to vote for my own, just because, just personally, I just think it it just hit me the best, hit me the hardest. It's the one that just sticks with me more than any of the quotes from Phase 2. Yours is definitely the most significant and emotional so that's very fair. Um, Kyle, what's your vote? Hmm. Uh, <laughs> this is tough. Um, I think I'm also going to vote for the Drax one. Uh, I think that 
we're going to talk a lot more about Guardians and what makes it so special as a movie, um, and Drax in particular. But yeah, I think that a lot of a lot of the humor in not just this movie or the sequel, a lot of the humor in James Gunn movies in general does not work and falls flat if the actors are not so committed to it and committed to the bit and like selling it. And Dave Bautista is just such a fucking revelation in this movie and just is so his deadpan delivery is on another level. Um, so when he gets to that that reflex line, it's just I remember again. This was honestly the phase where I started actively watching all these movies in the theater. So I saw this pretty soon after seeing Winter Soldier, and I was just cackling in the theater. I was also side tangent. I was in the theater with a bunch of like fifty plus people for some reason, and I was the only person cackling at the Jackson Pollock line. Everyone else was like, "Oh, that's too much. I don't like that." And it's just, I, I loved it. Um, but. I'm going to vote for the Drax one. It's just, it's perfect delivery, and Dave Bautista's hilarious. I, I remember, you know, hearing the Jackson Pollock line, I'm just like, does Peter know anything about that? <laughs> and he would have remembered who Jackson Pollock was? I don't know, but it was funny. Um, yeah. Also, you just gave me, I didn't have to say it before we forget, James Gunn, Dave Bautista, Bane movie. Hell Yeah. Put him in the Suicide Squad. Or just put him in the Suicide Squad for the next second one. And he could be like a big part. Him and Bloodsport playing off each other. <sighs> Idris and Batista. Ooh. Okay, we need to move on. Um, but Dave gets the W. Can I mention a couple honorable mentions, though? Because there's a lot of funny ones we left out. Uh, yes, please. So Bastion Robbins always found, finds out. is something I always say. Our guy Dale in Ant-Man. <laughs> Um, and then one that is so obscure and no one even like knows what I'm talking about when I say this, but it's my favorite MCU character of all time. And it's in the first Guardians. And it's when they're trying to figure out whether they team up or like split up. And Rocket is so exasperated and starts going, you're making me beat up grass. And it's just kicking the grass. And it's so, I just, that to me says everything about who Rocket is and why he's my favorite character. There's there's a lot of good quotes in, in phase two. Um, Guardians is just full of them. All right, let's move on. And the FE goes to. Nothing goes over my head. My reflexes are too fast. I would catch it. The nominees for the Easter Egg Award are. An award for the season. Uh, we are recording this the day before Easter. You are listening to this, or it's dropping uh, several days after. Um, but the Easter Egg Award, these are always chock full of them, whether you go different movies within the MCU, Marvel Comics. So, oh, so fun to talk about. Kyle, what's your Easter Egg, Nom? Uh, I am torn. Um, I am always a big advocate of the like the deep pulls to comic references. Um, so I'm torn between one that is kind of like that and one that I just think is really funny and was a really clever nod to like pop culture in general. I think I'm going to go with that one. Um, so back in the 70s, from I think it was 75 to 80, there was a cast member on SNL by the name of Garrett Morris. Um, really, really funny cast member. I think a very underrated cast member during that era. Uh, he did a sketch um, called Halloween Party where he his character showed up as Ant-Man and hilarity ensues because no one knows who Ant-Man is. Um, flash forward to 2015 during the Ant-Man movie. And what do you know it? Someone falls on a cab and the cab driver is Garrett Morris, like however many years later. 
And it ultimately doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. It's just this fun little, like, in a universe that already does these really great, like, cheeky nods to Stan Lee in every movie and these great cameos, it was fun to see a different kind of cameo to another guy who, like, is just a pop culture person. I don't know how many people even would have picked up on that, but I, I think it's a really fun nod to, like, if you're a big fan of just the comedy genre and, like, and, and SNL, it's a fun little nod to someone from the past. That's really cool. I did not know that. Um, Michael, what's your nom? Um, I have an honorable mention that I want to shout out, which is pretty interesting. Um, one of the police officers uh, in Ant-Man is played by Wood Harris. Yep. Uh, who he is. You know, yep. most, most people would know as Julius from Remember the Titans. Um, but he was also um, Avon Barksdale in The yep. Wire. Mm-hmm. And Kyle still hasn't finished The Wire. Shut up. And I'm, I just want to make sure that the inversion of him playing a police officer, I think, is interesting because that that show is so influential for showing that not all the cops are good, not all of the criminals are bad. Right. And also, it, it's it shows that Kyle is bad for not having ever fully watched The Wire. Um, but I think the 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 one that I I'm going to go with, which is which is so important, and again shows the level of commitment and level of foresight that they had is the um, the trip to Wakanda in uh, in Age of Ultron. Again, you know, you've, you're you going through all these dossiers. We're trying to find out where Ultron would have gone. Okay, we what's this? It's a brand. It's a, a obscure dialect. Wakanda, Wakanda. We've got to go there. We've got to meet Claw. You see Claw getting his hand cut off. That becomes a plot point. Um, you know, and his his mechanical arm being the sonic blaster um, made out of vibranium. So I just think that like them knowing they were going to go there eventually, um, and they were going to expand what the Marvel world looks like, um, knowing then and and dropping that there. I think that's my favorite Easter egg is knowing that that's in there, and they're going to take that trip. And and again, we're going to incorporate Andy Circus, who's a favorite across all of the um, all the fandoms that we talk about. Um, a truly, truly underrated uh, actor who I think is going to get a Lifetime Achievement Academy Award um, in the future. But just uh, that, I think, is my favorite one for for connecting the universes together. All right. Thad, what's yours? All right. Well, this one I never picked up. Although, to be fair, I wasn't really ever forced to rewatch Dark World mm. <laughs> until this. Mm. But uh, this is, I never picked up that uh, when Selvig is writing on the, on the board, on the board, it's written uh, 616 universe, Mm -hmm. which is the multiverse theory, just all the way back in Dark World. Just Earth 616, just right there, right on Selvig's board. Love that. I I love that the MCU essentially is just like yeah, it's just, we are the six one six. When they still don't claim it in the comics, do they? Or or is it considered the actual universe in the comics? They, they call it the six one. The six one six was a fan driven thing that mm-hmm. Marvel kind of smartly just adopted Did they? in the okay. numbering system. But yeah, it, it's it's canon in the comic books that the. Uh, and again, this is another thing because Miles Morales comes out of the Ultimate Universe, which is a yeah. different one from Six One Six, and the crossover for how they got him into the main continent. Anyway, uh, let me 
Let me, I'm going to turn the nerd down about two or three uh, settings here. But yes, that's the main Marvel Universe. Okay, okay. So I'm going to go another one that is uh, definitely more on the comic side. Uh, another Age of Ultron, Nom. Um, Dr. Helen Cho, the geneticist in uh, Age of Ultron, you know, who is uh, unfortunately forced to help our guy Ultron, is the mother of one Amadeus Cho who is uh, known as essentially the predecessor of our guy Hulk as Bruce Banner. He becomes Hulk. He, I think his, uh, another name of his is Braun. He's essentially one of the 10, 15, I believe, smartest characters in the Marvel Universe. And yep. I'm just still waiting to see him pop up with a vendetta against Ultron when Ultron pops up again. So, uh, yeah, I really like, like that one. Shout out Nagini. <laughs> oh my god, that is. Is that the same is actress? That it's the same actress, yeah. Wow. I never watched that trash movie. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame um, you. That's that's surprising. I didn't know that was her. Okay. So we have an Ant-Man and two Ultrons and a Dark World. Easter egg. What's going to get the W? Kyle. Uh, I'm gonna go with the Wakanda shout. Um, that was my that was my runner up in case in the, the wild chance someone else <laughs> snagged Garrett Morris. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think the Wakanda shout is awesome. I think that the MCU was really good about that. In hindsight, of being like, here's a throwaway line to something that you nerds are gonna pick up on, but it's not gonna matter. Don't worry. And then you know, five years later, guess what? It matters. We're going to Wakanda. And we're making a Black uh, Panther movie. Jokes on you. Um, and it, it's, it's a great shout. I mean, there's a lot of stuff like that in the in phase two. You get like uh, Sitwell uh, name name calling uh, Stephen Strange, and you get you know stuff like that. But I think Wakanda is the one that like my ears pricked up when I heard that in the theater because I was like, oh my god, please, please, please give me a Black Panther movie. Um, and that wasn't uh, the case yet. We didn't even know he was going to be in Civil War. So that's a that's a great shout. And I'll take any excuse to see Andy Serkis get his arm chopped off. Always getting something chopped off, which it seems, you know. Um, Michael, is that your vote as well? I'm going to go with it, and and for, for a reason that Kyle highlighted, um, I, I have a I've, I have a, I have thoughts about this this phase, but the way that that Marvel, the MCU, used um, Civil War to bring in to introduce both Spider-Man and Black Panther so that their standalone movies wouldn't have to be like we're gonna we're gonna like introduce everything. It let them tell a full story in that world. I'm surprised they haven't done that more. And it'll be interesting to see how, what they do with the movies in phase phase four is almost over effectively, but what they do with phase five because the the, the kind of the soft intro of these characters that lets their movies be more dynamic is something that I think is a secret sauce to why phase three works so well. And I I think that that kind of runway is something they might be doing with, um, you know, America Chavez. Um, I think they're kind of doing it with Kamala Khan. I really think they're going to do it with Riri Williams. Yeah. Um, because you've got Ironheart on the docket and you've got Armor Wars on the docket as well. Um, so I think there's going to be a lot of, and, and also, um, 
you know, super insider, Mike's an obscure, uh, you know, uh, nerd. They're they're filming parts of Black Panther 2 at MIT, which is where Riri Williams attended college. It's the first time MIT's allowed a college, it's itself to be, the actual college campus to be filmed. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and this is a nugget I picked up from uh, X-Ray Vision, Jason Concepcion's podcast. Um, and so knowing that they're kind of foregrounding elements that have to do um, with Riri Williams. Also, um, uh, MJ is also going, MJ and Ned are also going to MIT. So if mm-hmm. you think about like, that's going to be an incubator for a lot of things going forward. And what's this version of the MCU missing? It's missing an Iron Man and the successor for Iron Man is Riri Williams. Um, I think with with all of the drama going on and all of the angst around what they're going to do with the new Black Panther and what's going on um, with that, I think that in a way that they did here with just foregrounding Wakanda, I think they're kind of laying the tracks for what's going to happen with the rest of um, the MCU, who their core characters are going to be, and, and including something we've all been anticipating is introducing the mutants. Yeah. Um, we know at least one's coming in Doctor Strange and Multiverse of Madness. So I think they're going back to that. And I think that's a really, really good strategy to introduce characters in movies that are not their own. And this was the first time they really did it. That's why. Okay, you brought up so much that I want to talk about has absolutely nothing to do with the awards. Um, <laughs> just right over there real quick. Uh, I could see a future rivalry happening between our guy Peter and Riri for uh, the affection of Ned and MJ. They be- become her new friends, and then it, and then Peter meets them all. Uh, that's the new rivalry in the future Avengers right there. Um, phase 4 is not even close to being done, Michael. There is... Um, Multiverse of Madness, Love and Thunder, Wakanda Forever, The Marvels, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, and the uh, Christmas special, Quantumania, and they, we don't know, though, if Fantastic Four and Blade are going to be in Phase 4 or not. All those that's others in, that's are okay, confirmed for Phase 4, though. All yeah. the other ones. That's like six movies, at least. That, it just feels be- like so much shit has already happened in Phase 4. It's yeah. a lot. <laughs> a lot of shows. It's, it's really given us a lot more content to chew yeah. on. That's a good point. Uh, that's not even considering the shows, guys. That's just the movies. Yeah. Um, we got a, we've got a lot more going in Phase 4. We're never going to do a Phase 4 Effies. Take <laughs> it's five. just never going to end. <laughs> we'll just do those separate ones. Um, okay. Voting-wise, it's it's a trip to Wakanda for those reasons mentioned. It It's the most important. It It's one of those, like y'all said previous fandoms and IPs would give us little Easter eggs and then do absolutely nothing with it. My most favorite, or I'd rather say the most frustrating is of course the, the drop of Remy LeBeau and uh, X-Men on the computer. And then no Remy still no gambit. All we got was Taylor Kitsch doing his best. Oh yeah. I forgot. I don't, I, I blocked that from my memory. No gambit, no gambit ever happened. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, that, I love the trip to Wakanda for all that. Andy Serkis is fantastic. And it gave us the Black Panther movie eventually. Fad, is it a sweep or are you voting for your own? It's not a sweep. I am going with Kyle's pick because I love Edgar Wright. And I love that he wrote that 
that nonsense in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that I, you can tell because I always wonder because Edgar Wright still has a screenwriting credit on it, and I always wonder what of his ideas were left in. That's a very Edgar Wright thing that was yeah. left in. Yeah. I wonder if they just kept like most of his jokes and just like polished up the the story. <laughs> yeah, I mean it was even. The movie had a lot of co-screenwriters, which typically I'm against, but I think it works with comedies more. And I think even Paul Rudd was a co-writer on this movie. Yep, I need to look at that. Was. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it really definitely shows with him and, like, Adam McKay and Edgar Wright all throwing in some, some jokes. All right. W goes to the trip to Wakanda. Let's move on. Sorry. I would say real quick, Kyle's pick uh, gives me a chance to shamelessly plug uh, Two Broke Girls, which Aaron Morris has been in uh, much recently, mm. uh, which also stars our girl Kat Dennings. Um, it's an absolutely hilarious show, and y'all should definitely watch it if you have not. As Jennifer Coolidge, who's amazing in it as well. Such a good show. Great show. Uh, also, shout out to one that, again, didn't really matter, but it's fun for the Pulp Fiction fans. Um, is equal 2517 being a Nick Fury's grave and Winter Soldier? Great touch. Great touch. I love that one. And the Effie goes to... Everyone takes a trip to Wakanda and Age of Ultron. And here are the nominees for the Class Bully Award. All right, on to Class Bully. That is the, uh, the best antagonist, best villain in Phase 2. Quality kind of ranges in this phase in terms of villains, but uh, yeah, let's kick it off. Damon, what is your nominee for the Class Bully? Thank you for giving me first, um, because I wanted to I'll get one of the good ones out the way. I'm going to go with my guy Ultron. I, li- I like giving love to Age of Ultron. Kyle and I are, are fans of the movie. Um, I just, every time I watch it, I watch it this time, okay? Real quick tangent. In that first hour is one of the best hours of the MCU. So good. And then it, it just... It starts. It starts slowing. It starts slowing. It starts dragging. It starts meandering, and and like and then we we get to the Hulkbuster scene, and then and then every, you know everyone's mileage varies for the rest of the movie. I I enjoy the Sokovia parts and the scene on the on the farm. I, I really like that. This the Nat and Bruce stuff is. I don't know what was going on. I don't question the the relationship the relationship could work but what they did with it didn't make any sense um but that has nothing to do with our guy ultron who was just born from from the mind stone and and tony's freaking ego just not being able to help himself and what's born is just this the super ai it's just like i love this opening scene with him and jarvis it's like oh, what? What is? So what is this? Oh, you know, you are. All of these uh, other programs have, have never worked, so I don't really know why you're here. Oh, where is your? Bo- bo- where is my body? Where? Where are we? And it's just James Spader's cadence, voice works really well. That I think they got a really great actor for for Ultron, and that whole begin like intro from Ultron to that to the party scene where he's talking about having the the, the strings and he sends the uh, the Legion at him, and we have the little um, impromptu fight in the tower that's really fun mm-hmm. and then you just see the evolution of ultron you know every time we see him he's upgrading different body better body getting better and better um and it's just 
giving us some really great lines. We didn't mention it in best quotes, but, you know, he gives us the great one. Everyone creates the thing they dread, mm. which is way too true, way too real. And he's just good, funny, very threatening. And I, I thought he, without him, I think Age of Ultron probably is, real, like, inarguably probably one of the low, like, easily lower movies without him, I think, um, with his performance. So that's my nom. Thad, what's yours? I am going to go with Rumlo from uh, from Winter Soldier. Nice. I think he's the best villain in that movie. I know a lot of people will say Bucky, but uh, I will not face the wrath of Anna. I refuse. <laughs> um, but Rumlo, other than Cap, who has the super strength. I mean, he was really just handing L's out to everyone. I mean, now, Sam, I mean, there's some talk on the streets and the POC like nerd groups and stuff that Sam can't really fight, but that's a different story. Sam takes a lot of L's. Wow. <laughs> but Romlo, Romlo was handing out L's and even probably to Cap if Cap didn't have uh, the super strength. He mm -hmm. just... He looks like he's a better fighter. So I am going to go with Rumlow as my villain. Surprising, but I like it. Kyle, what's your nom? Yeah, I like it a lot. Shout out to Frank Grillo, who just knows how to play a dick really well. I love that dude. He's, he's really good at that. Um, I... You took the two that I really wanted. Like I, like I said, the quality really ranges with villains in this phase. Um, I'm going to go with one that probably not going to vote for. I don't think he's that strong of a villain, but it's kind of the stuff that I'm left with at this point. I'm going to go with Corey Stahl as, uh, as Darren Cross, Yellow Jacket in the Ant-Man movie. Um, I'm definitely glad that we have departed from the phase of the MCU where it's like, hey, here's the villain. He's just a mirror image of the hero. We're not creative. Uh, <laughs> That's basically all Darren Cross is. But I do, I like Corey Stoll a lot. I think he's a very underrated actor. And I think he also, kind of like Frank Grillo, plays a dick really well. And his, Ant-Man is the one I just rewatched most recently, um, last night. And I think that his his dialogue in the movie is, is really snappy and, and, like, sarcastic. And you can definitely tell that he's, like, just trying really hard to lie to Hank and get him on his side. And, and he's already kind of won hope over, but not really. And it's just, there's a lot of, like below the surface stuff that happens with him and he, he plays it really well he's just this kind of corrupt businessman who you know his motivations are pretty generic but the way he plays it is interesting enough great michael what you got you went one two three and completely swept everything off my board <laughs> um i i had darren cross as my number one because he plays the kind of insecure tech bro salesman Mm -hmm. so well um it, he's it, i i really just like what he does in that movie and again this is another one of those like we create the thing that destroys us you know um uh hank pym can't help but keep the tech out of somebody else's hands and what ends up happening is this guy ends up getting it i also don't buy the um what is the the palette swap argument because that's what a lot of people do with black panther and they go well black panther is not a top five mcu movie because of the palette swap and they they, they don't 
I think it's a bad faith argument in Sorry. general. Um, also, uh, uh, that suit has lasers on its shoulders. Not <laughs> um, at this point, there's not really anything left. I'm I'm going to throw out. Uh, I'm going to put Bucky in here. I think Bucky as a villain is compelling. The come the Winter Soldier devoid of a heart and a mind is a very very effective killing machine. He got the drop on Nat when Nat was like the 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 uh, the no shit Black Widow. You know the 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 no remorse Black Widow. That's pretty impressive. I'm gonna put him in there because the rest of the board is hot garbage. <laughs> Malekith is is a is a <laughs> joke. Um, my kids in our D and D game would make fun of him. Um, I think they wasted Lee Pace. Yeah, um, as I, I think Ronan the Accuser is the type of thing that can work if they build a trilogy around him. They they didn't explain what a Cree was, so how do you know what a Cree heretic is? That's a weird. It's a weird yeah. thing they, they explore it, and then um, Iron Man three is compelling because tony's dealing with ptsd and oddly enough that's a kind of a prescient thing right what happens when the heroes have to deal with the mental and emotional cost of what they do that's a weirdly important movie now um just not great also um you know the the what the mandarin i mean we've already talked about the like what what the mandarin did in that movie wasn't wasn't great and shang chi did a really good job of kind of like instead of pretending it didn't happen talking about it and addressing it um the trevor slattery thing's funny but how do you know it's, it's a it's a whole bunch of different things um i know where my vote's going but i'm gonna put bucky on the board just because that's the only quality film less in this phase unlike phase three which is loaded, loaded. with very compelling oh, people yeah. who I would rather watch than most of the heroes in that phase. Yep, absolutely. Um, okay, really good ones. I so for one, Darren Cross is just like when we talk about villains. There's always like certain. There's different types, of course, and he's one of those villains. Not where he's very dangerous and threatening and could like beat you just down he is the person you just want to punch in the face he's smarmy he's he, he's a sociopath honestly he, he does a lot of sociopathic tendencies in the movie he's lying through his teeth constantly just just to get people you know on his side or have their guards down or get them you know anxious um you really see just how just much of an asshole he is when he like blows up that dude. Just like he uses the tech on him, and he becomes a this piece of bubble gum on the ground, essentially that he just wipes up and throws away with a napkin. Like it's like this dude has no remorse at all, and you just see that continue throughout the movie. He, he's I think a very effective villain as in, you know as far as what Ant Man needed. Um, Rumlo, very underrated I think is as what he did for the movie. I think it was a bad idea to kill him off in, in Civil War. Spoiler alert. I don't know why you're listening to this if you don't know that. But um, <laughs> I think you could have done more with him because he was effective. He was a he was one of those lower tier like 
henchmen, but he was you need those really good henchmen that like stick around and do the dirty work and do all the fighting. And he was so effective at it. You know, Fangrillo is a is a vet at that. Um I love so many of his movies. Winter Soldier is great. He was definitely on my board. As far as an antagonist, he's great because of the mystery. He's he has no heart. He's just like this cold blooded assassin. He he's for the for Hydra. You know he's their weapon. And then the whole crux of the movie is we find out it's Bucky, and you have that emotional tie into it. The movie is literally called The Winter Soldier. The movie is about him. Probably, honestly, maybe more so than Cap, you could argue. Um, so I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm very tempted to vote for Winter Soldier. I'm gonna go Ultron though, just because the reasons I said before. I think the movie fails without Ultron and his performance, and of course, the movie is based around him as well. Um, and I, I think it really gives us a, a conflict that challenges the the Avengers in this. I, I want to mention this before, but this is a good time. Phase two is about the cracks of the Avengers. You know, we have the build-up, phase one. Phase two is the cracks. And phase three is the break it down and build it back up again. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this is really the beginning of it. You see the the tension between some of the people, the Tony and, and Cap, you know, banter and fighting and arguing, and just also the, the damage the avengers do to like you said the hulk the hulkbuster scene tony makes a joke like how quick can i can i buy that building before he literally <laughs> destroys it? it's like watching that now i was like damn that's tony just making a joke about that like it's nothing it's like that's really like and we really see that come to fruition in phase three and this is really the the building box of it and ultron really starts that um yeah and just spader i thought was just really fun that's my vote Sad. What's your vote? I'm going to Drumlow. I just think he's an ass kicker. He's just he's just the he's the best villain in uh, possibly the best movie from Phase Two. No spoilers for future votes, but I I think he's the best villain from that movie. Okay. So, Michael, what's your vote? Ultron. Uh, right. I think that's another one of those where the people making this really know what they're doing in the same way that you want Robert Downey Jr. to be the embodiment of the ultra capitalist who has a change of heart and has to live with the pain of what he's done. And you cast Robert Downey Jr. with that. If you want all of the ego and all of the intelligence devoid of the humanity you cast james spader and you don't put his physical body in there you just use the timber of his voice he's and again like i think you saw again hold on here he comes it's mike the nerd um the age of ultron storyline in the comic books is is genocidal i mean it's everyone dies you can, you can say it sucks, Michael. You're in a safe space. He kills off everybody. Um, but having this version of him that's like, yeah, I'm going to do this, and the Avengers actually stop him. Um, you want James Spader playing that and the, and just everything that he can do 
with his voice. One of my favorite, if this didn't make the favorite lines, but like when, when, what do you do with all that, all that vibranium? Well, I'm glad you asked because I'm going to, I was going to take this moment to reveal my evil plan. <laughs> them. That's, you need a special, special, special actor to, to deliver that. Yeah. Um, I think the only other person they could have cast in that is Bruce Campbell. I think Bruce Campbell's Ooh. the right type of, this is the hero, but he's a little off that could have pulled that off. And, and um, I actually want to see Ultron in other things. The what if Ultron that like destroys all of the universes um, is super, super interesting mm -hmm. to me. And is the type of, um, you know, next phase, like, genocidal threat that I think really could do that. And bring James Spader back and give him more to do as Ultron. Yeah. Um, I, I have... I, Frank Grillo is one of my favorite underrated dudes that shows up in anything. I like Rumlow a lot. I wish they had kept him around kind of at... Kind of as the dark version of Bucky. It's kind of the glue that connects a lot of these other villains together. And I think Darren Cross is super interesting as well. Um Gotta be Ultron for me, though. Okay. Kyle? Uh, yeah, I, I'm almost wanting to make it a tie to hear Ryan's argument as a tiebreaker, but I, I also, it's gotta be Ultron. He was my first pick, um, so now I'm regretting going to Damon first, but I, he, yeah, he's just, he's, you need, like, this was, like, I wouldn't say early in the MCU, but this was pretty early in the conversation of whether I don't agree with this, but whether Iron Man was an overrated character or not, like people were already starting to kind of think that and debate on that. And I feel like it was a really cool move to give us a villain that is kind of the the version of him without empathy and without his humanity. And like it, like a lot of people, you know, talk about Iron Man as if he is a villain. And I, I would agree in some aspects. I think that he is responsible for a lot of bad things in the MCU, but. I think that the Ultron thing is like a really great reality check of like, no, like Iron Man fucks up sometimes, but this is to show you how it could be a lot worse. <laughs> like he, he could be a lot worse. Um, and yeah, like Michael said, James Bader is just the perfect person for that. Uh, he, his voice is just, it, it's perfect. It, it delivers each line with such conviction, but like with that sarcastic humor and like even his interactions with vision are so good. I love the ending when they, like the last Ultron bot has that interaction with Vision. He's you're unbearably naive. That was even another honorable mention I had for the quote. Um, he's just he's a great villain with a lot of personality, and I that's typically what I look for in villains. If it's not going to be someone like a Killmonger, where it's like a character I could get behind and I find compelling, then I want someone who has personality. Like I I want someone who who is going to think that they're right and and try and convince you that they're right and bring you to their side. So I think that's Ultron. Nice. All right. Let's move on. Uh, real quick, I oh. wanted to give um, a shout out to the uh, one Winter Soldier villain you guys didn't discuss, um, Robert Redford's Alexander Pierce, who I think is a great uh, antagonist in a spy thriller and just a really good balance uh, for Winter Soldier's like Terminator esque performance in that movie. So yeah, um, I wanted to give a quick shout out to him. Good shout out. Him and him and uh Fury's uh, scenes together I thought were really good. Yeah. And the FE goes to 
James Spader as Ultron. Here's the nominees for the Stan the Man Award. We miss you, Stan the Man, Stanley Cameo Award. You get one a movie guaranteed. What's your favorite? Kyle, what's your nom? So glad you picked me first. Uh, this is one where I think that, I don't know, maybe this is in my head, but I feel like I've already been talking about Age of Ultron too much. And I feel like anyone listening is probably like, God, shut up about Age of Ultron. But this one I feel like it's justified because his cameo in Avengers Age of Ultron is fucking hilarious. Um, and it works on a couple levels. So you get what is probably my favorite scene in the movie is like the party scene where all the Avengers are just chilling, hanging out. Max and relax and all cool. Uh, and you get, you know, people are kind of split up in different areas and um, Cap and Thor end up with these old vets, which if you watch it, I was rewatching it and if you watch it with the context of how did all these people get to the party, it's so funny thinking about the fact that Cap was probably like, I got to invite some friends to this party. I don't know anyone. And he just invites like all of these vets to the party that he probably talks to every week. Uh, at, a, at a game of Parcheesi or something. Um, and <laughs> you, so you get you get Stan, you know, trying to compete in this drinking game with Cap and Thor, who obviously can hold their liquor. Uh, and of course, you get the excellent, excellent line drop of Excelsior as he's being dragged off, inebriated as fuck. Uh, it's my favorite. I love it. You gave me the amazing visual of Steve just frequently just, just going to all the bingo halls. And just like <laughs> just playing bingo with all the all the nice grand grandmas and just them just yeah, you know being so nice to him and not knowing it's him. That's canon. That's canon. <laughs> um okay, Michael, what's your not? Um it it's the it's the one from Ant Man when he shows up in the story and he says, Yeah, crazy stupid five. And just like it's Lu Luis is is such a one of one in Marvel, and he has these moments in both of the Ant-Man movies, he needs to show up in more, but the fact that they could incorporate Stan into that, and the way, like, everybody else is using Luis's language is just funny across the board. It's funny when they have Sam do it, mm -hmm. you know, and, and Anthony Mackie has a lot of comedic chops, and he, but just the way that Stan delivers that at that age, looking like he does, is so much but it's the it's the right kind of like meta inside of a meta joke that lets you really just like get a real belly laugh in a way that like a lot of the other ones don't. Um, and, and again, the 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 I think there's a lot of gravitas in neither was Omaha Beach. Give me the liquor blondie, you know. That's a that's a really <laughs> good one from a like emotional standpoint. You think about the guys that you know went through that. This one was just pure funny, and I love it. Louise, I, I almost regret us not doing the Wallflower Award, but it was Louise's anyways. Like, I don't think anyone was going to probably beat him. Yeah, uh, just, just, just just put it in the show notes that, like, Louise swept the Wallflower off, you know, like, off the side. You know, like, <laughs> um, he's so good, and I just cannot wait for him and Katie to have a scene, a sidekick scene together one day. Two of my favorite sidekicks right there. Um. Oh, that's a good one. That him, and, him and Ned. Him and Ned might be really mm. good too. Yes. 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 We're going to me. Yes, sir. All right. So I am going to pick. Uh, I'm picking the one from Dark World. 
and it's with the uh, <laughs> it's Selvig just out here just explaining uh, the convergence, and he's like, "Does anyone have any questions? Uh, yeah, can can I have my shoe back?" <laughs> oh, that's a good one. Um, okay, I'm glad y'all didn't take my second choice. Um, it's Winter Soldier. You know, you had the security guard checking the exhibit. Oh, God, Cap's suit is gone. Oh, I am so, I am so fired. <laughs> it's just so good. And then you get the, the shot to the Cap being in his, his vintage suit. It's, it's great. Really simple, but great. So we have Stan getting drunk. Stan, you know, being a voice narrated by Luis. We have Stan asking for a shoe back and Stan the security guard getting fired. What are we going with? Kyle. Uh, I want to shout out to my my other pick, which was Stan the Perv in Guardians of the Galaxy. Love that one. Um, okay, let's see. I I'm gonna stick, I'm gonna stick with mine. I think that, yeah, just him as the old vet playing off of Cap and Thor. I always think about his cameos in the sense of, like, it must have been such a proud moment, too, for him to be able to say, like, I had a hand in all of these characters, and now I get to interact with them on screen. Like, it's it's one of those moments where I, like, I'm so happy that he got to experience that. Um, but it is a, it's just a genuinely really, really funny moment and, and plays really well with, with Cap and Thor. Okay. Michael, your vote. I'm gonna vote for Thads because this might be the only love um, Dark World gets. Yeah, we're not reviewing the movies individually. I, I've got a lot of thoughts on Dark World. Um, I want to be obtuse and say that it's actually good. It's not good. That's a really funny cameo, right? Mm-hmm. Selvig being a little off his rocker, and then here's the guy they put him with. I, I like that one. I'm go. With, I'm go with Thads. Selvig went through a lot of shit in these movies. So much. Um, Shout out to Ride or Die, Dr. Darcy. Mew <laughs> <laughs> Mew! Also, making out with your intern, probably not a good idea. Let's just... No, nope. we never see him again, nope. so she probably fired him right he out. He probably got fired. <laughs> yep. like, we, can't, we can't work together anymore, I'm sorry. <laughs> yes, speaking of people we want to pair with Louis, Darcy. Definitely. Yes. Hell yeah. Um, okay, Thad, are you are you going Dark World? I, you know what, part of me wanted to vote for someone else just so we could force Ryan to vote and we have like a four-way tie. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know what, I'll go with I'll go with mine. I'll go oh, with Dark well, World. Well, we are going to have a tie because I'm yeah. going. Stan, the vet, gets drunk and and Excelsior. Uh, it's great. He's just, he's out of it. He just, um, so that's two votes that two for the dark world. That means Ryan breaks the tie. All right. My moment to shine. Um, yeah, these are two, uh, really good choices, but I think for me, the choice is pretty easy. Um, I, I think, I, I don't know if we're ever going to explore this, but I think you can make an argument. This is the best Stanley cameo in all the MCU MCU movies, and it's the Age of Ultron uh, party scene one. Oh, yeah. Stan, no matter what, gets the W. Excelsior. Damn right. And the FE goes to... 
As a veteran, Stan is unable to handle his liquor alongside Cap and Thor in Age of Ultron. The nominees for the Detention Award are... All right, one of the next award, the Detention Award. This is basically uh, the best post-credit slash mid-credit scene in one of these movies. We get a lot of them. Um, less than I expected on this rewatch. Um, but that let's go to you for your nominee for the Detention Award. I'm going to go with the one that... Uh, I have two that I was going to pick. I'm not going to pick the one that I think Kyle is going to take. But I'm going to take uh, the other one, probably, from the same movie that I think Kyle is going to take. I'm going to go with the with group dancing to the Jackson 5. That was a really hard thread to follow for a second, and now I'm with you. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good one. Um, Kyle, you're not. Uh, yeah, he's, he's correct. It's Howard the Duck. Obviously, <laughs> <laughs> it's only ever one. Um, yeah, it's it's Howard the Duck. I again, we're gonna talk more. We're getting into the big awards, so we're gonna talk a lot more about Guardians. I think in these next couple of awards, but I just love how weird it is, and I love how stupid and goofy and and silly it is, and it's so on brand that James Gunn would make a callback to Howard the Duck. And of course, it would have been enough if we just. I mean, that was one of my picks for the Easter Egg Award was seeing him in the glass case. Uh, earlier in the movie, um, so that would have been enough. Would have been a great kind of shout. And then the post-credit scene of of yeah, the collector uh, mourning his loss with his dog, and you get Seth Green as Howard the Duck. Why do you let him lick you like that? Gross! It's just <laughs> it's so it's so good. It's perfect. Oh, uh, more Howard the Duck. Yes, please. Breakup uh, star of what if? Kind of. He <laughs> <laughs> was great. Um. All right, next up, Michael. Uh, I'm going to go with the one at the end of Ant-Man. Uh, it's another Luis kind of like person jumping monologue that ends with the Civil War preview. The fact that they're looking for somebody that can shrink really small and they're looking for Ant-Man. Um, that was a cool connection to that. I actually didn't... I didn't really understand why they were doing it at first. And then you realize, okay, that's actually related to the Civil War. I think that one's fun. It's another chance for Michael Pena to be Michael Pena. Um, and the fact that he impressed the Avengers so... He, he impressed Sam so much that it's like, all right, we're going we're gonna to bring him in for something else. It connects him to the world. Um, I, like, I like that one as a separate one. I only... I have to... I have to bring this up. I don't want to be a stickler, but we may need a ruling. I believe that is the end of the movie, not a not a post or mid credit scene. Well, so the, the Civil War tease itself the, is the, is the War credit tease, scene. But Pena's, Louise's monologue yeah. is the end of the movie. That is the end of the movie. You're correct. Ooh. It's the Bucky Sam scene, Bucky Sam cap scene, where Bucky's then like... I'll default to that one, then. Oh, I, think okay. they, I think they connect to each other. But shout out to that ending, because also that we could have mentioned that for Easter egg. I think that gets our first canon shout-out to Spider-Man, because he's really quick about it, but I think Louis yeah, mentions, it, like... I know a guy that's the that's webs. Yeah, on the walls, yeah. Looking Great. for a guy that shrinks. Yeah. What did he, what did he say? He said yes. <laughs> Um, yeah, that was actually going to be one of my uh, my Easter eggs too. It's like a shout out to Anna Akana. 
who you know really is stupid fine <laughs> crazy <laughs> stupid um, um but we uh she says uh we got a guy that jumps a guy that swings a guy that crawls up walls that's the same guy why is she like she's just mentioning all the things <laughs> spider-man does <laughs> she was just forecasting no way home she's like we got peter one peter two peter three <laughs> peter three um okay i don't know why y'all have it this is in my opinion possibly one of the best stingers it it it, it, it tells us what's coming it, what this is all about the door's open you see the gauntlet fine i'll do it myself <laughs> Thanos, okay? He looks completely different than how he looks when he actually shows up. He has some work done in the meantime, but it's Thanos. It's fine. I'll do it myself. It's like, holy shit. And then from there, the anticipation, I, I honestly think like, say everyone was like, very mixed about Age of Ultron, okay? Very device movie still. But that scene, everyone's like, we're getting Thanos. Okay, cool. Everyone's like, it didn't even matter at that point. The, the the wheels were spinning. It was in motion. It was not stopping. And the Thanos just really put the NOS on it and just catapulted it into the uh, super, super excitement levels, I think. So that had to be mine. Um, but Thad, what you're voting for? Dancing? Howard? The Duck? Uh, the the trio of Bucky, Cam, and Cap, and Sam? Or, or Thanos? Uh, quack attack. We're going with the duck. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Kyle, what's yours? Uh, yeah, I'm glad you mentioned Thanos. That was my second pick. And in terms of all of these, that's the one that matters the most, obviously, and is, is so... The movie itself does a really bad job of teasing the Infinity storyline, but that so succinctly reminds us of the bigger threat of Thanos. Um, I also want to shout out one that I think is low-key underrated and very funny, and that's the Iron Man 3 one, where we learn that the, t the narration of this entire movie has been Tony basically telling, like, in a therapy session with Bruce, who's been asleep this entire time. Very relatable. Um, I typically uh, also fall asleep when mediocre white men are talking. Um, but it's, uh, it's a great moment. Uh, kind of a reminder that Mark Ruffalo is still there. Um, so, yeah, I like that one. But... I am going to stick with Howard the Duck as well. Uh, again, I think it's just weird and dumb and funny and out there. And I'm sure there are a lot of people who didn't even know what Howard the Duck was before that movie. And if anything, I love it, that it was a way to introduce people to that glorious movie from the 80s, 70s. Um, yeah, it's just, it's my favorite. All right, Michael, what's yours? Um, my oldest had a baby group cake for a birthday. And my middle son used to do, he used to have me do the dance. And then I'd look at him and he'd stop. <laughs> it's going to be Baby Groot for Daddy's Island. Yeah. Keeping it, I'm just, for, for, that was my first pick and you took it, Kyle. No other reason. Just like Damon taking shit from my fucking kids. Apparently this podcast is all that. about uh, robbing. You know what? When, when you guys want to babysit and, and make up for this, by the way, come on in. I'm so, just saying Thad, Thad took that one, not me. That's true. He, that he, he, oh, there was that. Okay, well, that yeah. you're stealing from my children. Uh, but yeah, the, the baby, the baby group one is all time. Like the the we got the merch, we got the heart. I mean, his sacrifice is still something that I uh, I still talk about. Um, but yeah, that's 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 it for me. 
We are giving the W to Howard the Duck because I'm I'm voting for myself for Thanos. But they're all fun. I, I love just the fact that they decided to start doing this and give us something to look forward to in the movie and forcing people to just sit through the credits and, you know, pay attention sometimes, read 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 the credits, you know, some some awesome people doing really all the dirty work for those movies, you know, never really giving enough shine. But just I, I love the scenes and and now it's just always you're almost like not always, but some of the movies are just like, OK, can it be over? I want to see what this, the, the stingers are so we can see what's coming. You know, some people are always looking ahead a little bit too much, but uh, it, it's fun to get those little teasers. And they really set the stage for some of their future movies. I mean, the Bucky, Cap and Sam one was like, oh, like the fact that that was an actual scene in civil war we didn't know what the hell the accords were at that time they they name dropped the accords they're with bucky what's going on and we already know from the end of the movie that you know sam's looking for ant-man and then they say they need him you know to help him get somewhere it's just tying the it's it's really tying the movies together even more so and that but you know howard the duck gets that w because he's He's great. <laughs> I love that. Um, all right, let's move on. And the F.E. goes to... Howard the Duck in Guardians of the Galaxy. The nominees for Valedictorian are... Here we go. The big awards. Valedictorian. The best performance of Phase 2 of the MCU and this is always interesting to to take, considering there's there's multiple movies, multiple performances. Sometimes you're only getting one to some people's two or even three. So you know it, you got to weigh it. Uh, let's see who everyone goes with. Start with uh, Michael. Who's yours? This is hold on. Which which category? This hold on a second. This is valedictorian. The best. Performer. Oh, I have two. And it's really hard for me to choose between these two. And I've actually been, this is the first one in my like note in my phone for Effie's. Um, I'm going to go with the one that's aged the best. I'm going to go with Michael Douglas as Hank Pym. I think he brings the exact type of kind of wounded genius that only Michael Douglas can, only the son of a famous actor can someone who had to like someone who had a lot of things handed to him in life from being the son of a famous actor and then had to prove himself in movies and became kind of like he had his own genre of movies the like scumbag erotic thriller in the 80s and early 90s um and just the amount of pain behind someone who lost who lost the most important thing to them and then shut out the second most important thing to them. Um, after that, he lends a gravitas to the movie that it absolutely did. The Ant-Man movie could have been just a, a giant nothing burger. But she got Paul Rudd, the most likable human being who's not named Kyle. And, um, you know, you, you got T.I.'s in there doing work opposite my but everything about that movie is tied together by the fact that hank pym is the exact right type of person the right type of like kind of he's not toxic but he's not really wholesome type of dude that still is going to begrudgingly respect you and kind of nod at you i think his work 
is wildly underrated and really gives that movie a, a core of pain that lets Paul Rudd play around it. And that's what Paul Rudd really thrives on. I like that. You you need snark or yep. negativity or something to play against Paul Rudd or else it's just, yep. it's too much. I yep. like that. It's too, it's too saccharine and he keeps it from being too saccharine. Kyle, what's your nom? Oh, this is tough. You were saying like we got to weigh our our choices of like someone who kind of was the star of the entire phase with multiple movies or just the performance that stood out. Um, I'm gonna go with one who we've only appreciated him more in Phase Three and in Phase Four, but he's been. I mean, he's got the seniority on almost all of these people, other than Robert Downey Jr. himself. He's been around since 2008. He's just played different characters. And I'm, I'm going to go with Paul Bettany as Jarvis and Vision in this phase. Um, we get his last two outings as Jarvis in Iron Man 3 and Age of Ultron. And then we get what I think, honestly, I genuinely believe that his casting as Vision is one of the best castings in, in a comic book movie. Um, I think the character of Vision is just so fascinating. And again, could not have worked as well without that casting. And I think that just as soon as he shows up on the scene, uh, in a scene that I might be talking about later, uh, when he shows up and lifts that hammer, it is just such a huge, like, holy shit moment. Um, and from that moment forward, you're just in. Like, that. it's a clever way to really bring in a way of, like, trusting characters right away. Like, yeah, he lifted the thing that says he's a good person. Like, we're all going to – good – not person, whatever, but he's, he's a good character. Like, we know he's going to be trustworthy going forward. Um, and so you're just in on it from that point forward. And again, like, in Phase 3 and 4, Vision has only grown as a fan, fan favorite character because of his connection to Wanda, but I think it begins in Age of Ultron. And I also, yeah, I just I appreciate Paul Bettany having, like, he's just done so much incredible work as Jarvis from the very beginning. Uh, and I think this story was told around the time that WandaVision came out, but I remember he was saying that he, Paul Bettany went into Kevin Feige's office when he was going to be told that he, he would be playing Vision with the belief that he was getting fired. Like he thought that they were done with Jarvis and that it was over and that he, you know, his contract was up. Um, and it's just like, thank God that didn't happen. Like, thank God that we got Vision instead one of the best characters in the MCU and Paul Bettany just plays it to perfection. So he's, he's my uh, pick. Right, bad. What's yours? Um, my pick is I'm going with um, I'm going with someone who we talked about as I think it was Michael who said uh, uh, this guy was the Human Torch. The guy was the clown. I'm going with uh, Chris Evans. I think the weight that they put on this guy's shoulders to kind of from Winter Soldier on when everyone was like. Okay, Cap is for real. This is this is going to be a real good series of movies. Because one was good, and I think up until Black Panther, this was kind of the unanimous pick for best MCU movie. That once Winter Soldier came out, I think everyone kind of realized that, okay, they're going to really lean on Chris Evans here. And he didn't he didn't fumble. He really just held up throughout this entire phase and then throughout the rest of his run in the MCU. I got to go with Chris Evans. 
Hmm. I'm going to go with maybe someone who definitely deserves to be on the board. I don't know if they'll get any votes, but they definitely deserve to be there. Of course, it's RDJ as Tony Stark. Um, He's done the most movies out of anyone so far for the MCU. Um, Other than maybe uh, Fury, though, I don't know if you count, you know, with his handful of scenes in each one, but RDJ is a, as a big player in, in the movies. He's, he's everywhere. And in this, of course, he has uh, Iron Man 3, the last of the Iron Man series, and you have Age of Ultron. Two very different type of movies, very different portrayals. And I think he really shows us different sides of who Tony Stark is and who he can be. And I, I think it just really shows just like how he's always grappling with with everything of like of who he needs to who he thinks who he thinks he is who he thinks he needs to be who the world sees him as who he thinks his father still like saw him as and what he wants to be who he thinks pepper needs him to be he you know and in iron man 3 we have the whole ptsd the the trauma story of him trying to deal with what happened with the battle in new york i mean he literally went in space and almost died not the fact that you know, New York was overrun with with literal aliens, and he's dealing with all of that, and he still has time to make these awesome, very Tony quips to this this kid. You know, just tell him that he just needs to stop crying. Um, I love their relationship. I want Harley show up. Give us Harley. Give us Harley in Armor Wars or the Ironheart show. Let him be like a sidekick or something. I don't know. Um, but and then we we get him. Of course, at his very sharpness and his most Tony in Age of Ultron, he's just throwing it out left and right from the very beginning. We get, are we not going to mention that that Roger said language, you know? And he's just, he's really kind of the the comedy portion of Age of Ultron in the very beginning. And all, but also we get that he's the fact that he's what creates the problem. Like I said before, he he wants to do more. He wants to do everything he can. He creates Ultron. He creates the thing he dreads, which is this ultra, very terrible, you know, global level threat. And he has to deal with that, you know, and he's trying to defend what he did while also, you know, trying to defeat it. And it's just I think RDJ just does what we already knew him to do and did it better and just kept doing it. And consistency, I think, should be rewarded just as much as excellency. And he's also kind of excellent at it, too. So RDJ should at least uh, be nominated. So that's my nom. And we have four noms. Michael Douglas, Paul Bettany, Chris Evans, and RDJ is going to take the W. Michael, who's your vote? Paul Bettany. This was a guy who hadn't had a job, I think, in two or three or four years before he got the call to be the voice on the computer as Jarvis. He got to get the glow up from Jarvis to um, to Vision, and then in you know you, you consider what's happened, and I mean he got he got the hammer line in uh, WandaVision. You know, I I think him being able to come out of just a voice on the computer onto the big screen, ha- he had a couple of, of, of real boss moments. I I. There's a part of me that wants to not consider Cap and 
or sorry, Chris Evans and RDJ because they were in phase one. That this is a, like a you know, a, a, are we going to split hairs or not? Because they actually both did great work in in what they were in for this one. I really think that what RDJ did with um with Tony's PTSD in Iron Man three is really 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 strong work and even though the movie is a little bit uneven i think it deserves to i think it's, it's even more impressive now it's even more relevant now but i am i'm gonna go with vision all right kyle vision vote two uh no i think we're trading votes here i'm i am pleasantly surprised by the nom for michael douglas and i think it works really well i think that um First of all, you know, we did this before with the Eppies for the show, but I, it's no secret how much of a fan I am of the show What If, and specifically episode three. Um, and I think that Michael Douglas's voice performance in that episode is fucking off the charts. Um, it's phenomenal. But it starts here. He's, he's great in this movie. He's arguably even better in Amen of the Wasp. Um, but yeah, I think that it definitely took a very specific kind of actor like Michael Douglas to play that kind of role. Um, because I remember before this movie, you know, Age of Ultron came before this movie in 2015. And of course, they had to play around a little bit with the the story. So I remember being really disappointed that we didn't get the Hank Pym creating Ultron angle, because that was always really fascinating to me in the comics. It made sense that it was stark thematically, and I, I, I settled for that. But I remember, you know, a couple months later getting ready to see Ant-Man, and I was excited because it was like, finally, Hank Pym. Kingdom is a really complicated character in the comics and a very dark character at certain points. And I think oh, yeah. that, yeah, uh, <laughs> it, to, to, to a point where like the MCU can't go to some of the places that his character goes. Um, and I, I, I accept that. So I, I'm glad that we at least get like shades of it with Michael Douglas's performance. Because Michael's right. He really does like just show so much pain in his performance um, as this character who has kind of lost everything at the beginning of this movie. Um, yeah, so he just sells it and plays it really well. So that's my vote. Okay. Dad, what's your vote? I'm... Yeah, I'm still going to give it to Chris Evans. I, I really do think it's... Sh he should get a little... Uh, he should get a little love here just for... Just for the weight he had to carry from this phase on. I think it's... It just leans so heavy in... On him. More than Robert Downey. I know that he gets a lot of it, but I think uh, just the way that you really have to have the fans who are watching really kind of buy in to him and really want to be on his side, even though it's it's Iron Man. It's the flashy guy. He's got the toys. He's got the money. You know, you really have to buy into Cap and the performance to just say, no, I'm on Cap's side. Whew. Okay, three-way tie. That's cool. Cool, cool, cool. Um, I'm going Chris Evans as Steve Rogers. Um, Michael Douglas, I think, is maybe one of those roles where I just don't know how it would have worked. Like, like Michael said, if you cast someone else or like it, this, the Hank Pym performance doesn't work because, like, for one, you you need you need that hard edge against Scott. Scott is just this bundle of joy. Even the fact, even when he's in prison, he's just can't help but smile and make friends. Like that's who Scott is. And you throw him against Hank Pym, the cynical, bitter old man who's like wasted away his life. And he, he has so many regrets. He pushed away his, his daughter. And it's, it's great how the whole 
idea of the movie is the fact that Hank is giving him a second chance. And in return, this gives Hank a second chance with hope and a better life going forward. Um, it was the best thing that could have happened to either one of them, I think. Um, RDJ, like I said before, all for all the reasons, Paul Bettany is amazing. I became an instant fan ever since I saw A Knight's Tale, and I will always be a fan of Paul Bettany. And his work is Vision, like from from Jarvis to Vision, and then WandaVision is, is a whole nother level. But disregarding that, his just work in Vision in this movie alone, it's so hard to say how hard it is probably to do a very understated, subtle performance those roles where like there's not supposed to be any emotion or any like signs of like anything like that. You know, they are supposed to be more than human or there's, you know, they're a robot essentially, or they're AI. And to be able to nail that and be, be authentic about it is hard. We got like, I'd say the iconic data who is, I'd say amazing was amazing at it. Vision is just Paul Bettany really did a great job at it. And of course the scene with the hammer, so good in the talk with Ultron. Fantastic. Really loved it. But Chris Evans, I like I said, I fell in love with, with Captain America because of Winter Soldier. And then it rein, got reinforced with every performance after. And it's because of Chris Evans' performance. I mean, he's he is Captain America. He's able he tapped into that that essence of someone who is genuine and headstrong and compassionate. And also cutthroat too. Like he never wavers in his convictions and his faith. And he never backs down no matter what. And <laughs> for good and for bad, I should say. Um, to his detriment sometimes. It is definitely his Achilles heel. But he's so good at it. And he's so believable. And I mean, I think if you rewind 20, 30 years and say... You tell people, yeah, half of uh, the populace of America's favorite superhero is Captain America. They would laugh. They would probably die from laughing so hard. But it, you know, he they just really gave us a character that we could latch onto. And even in a day and age where patriotism, for a lot of people, is looked down on, or it's just it's not the the great thing that it was portrayed as back then to do what he did in that role is just fantastic. And I have to give him the vote. So Steve with the win, any other thoughts? Though? It, it, he, he goes toe to toe with Robert Redford cycling back to the thing that really made him, you know, those political thrillers in the seventies, those paranoid political thrillers. He goes toe to toe with Samuel motherfucking L Jackson. Who's like staring him down and being like, you got to get on board with what I'm saying to do. And he's like, no, I'm not gonna, do, I'm not gonna do that. He has sensual chemistry with Nat, and he really, and he really does a great job of of bringing the humanity to what it's like to be a veteran with Sam. Them talking about what it's like with the bed's not the bed, it's the bed. That's that's a conversation. That is a conversation that I've had with friends, which it, something's different, right? When you come back, something's different. The amount that he gets to do in that is phenomenal. I never liked Captain America as a comic book character. Never worked for me. It never resonated. Him getting to do all of that in one movie is 
chef's kiss. And it's why I'm rooting for him for the rest of his career. Hell yeah. Cannot wait for his movie with Gosling. Just got to say that. Oh, yeah. The Gray Man. That's incredible. Okay. And the F.E. goes to... Chris Evans as Steve Rogers. And here are the nominees for Best Memory. All right, we're on to Best Memory. This is the best moment, best scene in uh, all of Phase 2 across all six movies. So, uh, Thad, what is your nominee for Best Memory? Do I go funny or do I go serious? Do I go funny or do I go serious? Um <laughs> All right, you know what? I'm going to go funny. There is no way in hell this is winning, but it just needs to be said. Um, Thomas the Train. <laughs> <laughs> just being involved in a in an MCU fight. Just destroying random people's homes. Just amazing. <laughs> That's my favorite memory. There's no way it wins, but it just makes me laugh every time. That's all you need. That's all you need. That's that's exactly why it's a great nominee. Uh, all right, let's go to Michael. What is your nominee for best memory? I was surprised that Thomas the Train didn't make best fights because yep. the inventiveness of that entire sequence is is, is really good. Um, that it's a great, it's a terrific pick. Um, mine is going to be. Um, Groot's death. I'm gonna I'm gonna cop out the rest of the the entire defense of uh, Nova Prime or the the Nova Core fight. I'm gonna you know take the rest of that out. Um, you know all of that with with Groot, him building the shield around them, uh, Rocket realizing what that means. We are Groot, um, and then like Rocket kind of like. I'm gonna cut out like the Starlord fight and then Rocket crying with his shards and Drax scratching him. Um, again, I'm 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 forecasting a bit for for what my pick is for the next one as well. That movie had no business working. That storyline had no business working. Those characters had no business working. But when the tree that says three words voiced by one of the worst actors of this generation to actually be successful um, has hits you that hard, it's special. It's absolutely special. I think that that moment in that movie is the secret sauce for why this works. Considering how important the Guardians and are to Thanos, how important they were to Infinity War especially, um, not so much, not so much Endgame, but like you, you know, Rockets in uh, Endgame a lot. But how important they were to giving Thanos um, humanity and gravitas. I, I'm going with that one. All right, Kyle, what's yours? Uh, all right, I'm also going to draft one from um, Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, I think it was, again, you know, Michael and I are kind of on the same page here, um, not to forecast too much with, with Guardians, but the moment when Peter Quill steps out, I don't even remember the name of the fucking planet. Vor- no, not Vormir. Uh, anyway, beginning of the movie, steps out of the ship and puts on his 
his headphones and starts dancing to the song Come and Get Your Love by Redbone. I was like, cool, I'm in. I don't know what this movie's about to be. I don't know, fuck all about these characters or the comics, but I am in if we're getting more shit like this. He's kicking little space rats and picking them up to use as a microphone. And it's just, it's glorious. The cinematography is so good in that scene. And it's just, it's, it perfectly sets up what kind of movie it's going to be. The way they're going to incorporate the soundtrack as like a, basically a character of the movie. It just sets up the fun that you're about to have watching this movie. So I got to go with come and get your love from Guardians of the Galaxy. Okay. This hurts only because it means I don't get to uh, nominate this scene, which is the Zola reveal that shield is infiltrated by hydra since the beginning it's really really good i love zola but the one i'm going to nom is the one i talked about earlier that kyle was very upset i didn't nom for best fight it's just because it's one of my favorite scenes it's just it's it's hit a whole new level it's also essentially the best meme from from this face Okay, I, I, that's what, that would have gotten my vote. We aren't doing best. We forgot best meme, and we are sorry, people. We can't do all the all the categories, unfortunately. But I'm talking about the elevator. Before before we get started, does anyone want to get out? And just just it's, oh man, just the close combat fighting the whole the the metal strap the whole time him trying to fight every, the whole struggle him just trying to keep it from locking on. Him and Rumlo just going at it. He sends Rumlo up to the freaking ceiling. <laughs> uh, that's why Rumlo didn't get my vote for best villain. He got his ass handed to him in an elevator. Okay. Um, I understand. It's not personal, <laughs> even though it feels personal. I love you, Thad. That was perfect. Um, but yeah, the elevator scene is my nom. So. We got Thomas the Train battle sequence, which I just got to say, when he falls like sideways, his eyes are just going back and forth. It's just so funny. <laughs> it's hilarious. He's like, well, would you look at that? <laughs> um, and you just have yeah, to remember uh, that he's British, too. <laughs> so he's... What the fuck, mate? <laughs> um, that was Sorry, terrible. Luke. Sorry, Luke. <laughs> um, we have We Are Groot. The Peter Quill dancing in the elevator. What are we going with, Dad? Uh, I'm gonna go with the the elevator scene. I'm going with the elevator scene. All right, Kyle. Uh, yeah, all four of these are really great. Um, I I think the elevator elevator fight is fucking incredible. Um, because it, like you're right, it doesn't just work as a fight. It works as a great thematic scene, and like it gives to that point, it gives a pretty boring character a lot of personality and being like, "All right, I'm a badass. Anyone want to step out before I beat all of your asses?" Like it's great. It's it's a great badass moment. Um, the Thomas the Train sequence is fun as hell. That and the briefcase fight like would have been good nominees for the best fight because they're both so creative and inventive. Um, and I'm just torn between two from the best movie. Uh, you know, no more skirting around it like in Guardians. Come on. Um, but I'm going to go with uh, Group Sacrifice. I think that I 
I think something that is really special about James Gunn's movies in particular is that he has a really unique sense of combining really juvenile humor with these rare and just all of a sudden that catch you off guard moments of like vulnerability and, and like humanity. And I think that that's what makes this moment so and hit so hard, so effective is because even before that, like they're, they're, there's a moment like right before they get on that ship when they're, Peter gives them like the speech about we're all losers, you know, and like Groot is agreeing with him. He's like, thank you, Groot. And it cuts over to Groot like biting a flower off his shoulder or something. Like it's just, it's just balanced so well so that you feel these feel like living, breathing people as opposed to movie characters. And so the moment before we get a sacrifice when they're walking through the ship and it's dark and Groot, as opposed to doing something stupid or like Rocket making some sarcastic joke, Groot lights uh, lights the way for them with the, these, you know, fireflies or whatever that he's been holding on to. And it's played straight. It's not played as a joke. It's played as this really, like, beautiful moment. Uh, and then, you know, that's what kind of primes you emotionally and sets you up for his sacrifice later to where it hits so hard. And, yeah, like Michael said earlier, of him changing for the first time, changing the way he says his three words. It just hits so hard, and, and and Rocket and his relationship is so special in that movie, and in the second movie, and um, yeah, I just think that that is what James Gunn excels at. He can hit you with this the most juvenile line, and then five seconds later have you crying at the death of a tree. So my my vote is for Groot Sacrifice. Michael, your vote? It's, it's going to be Groot. I'm I'm with Kyle. The the best I'm forecasting the best movie is Guardians. I think it's. I think it's secretly like the I think it's the third most important movie of the MCU. Um, it's the one that was the proof of concept that they could just do anything. Um, but that moment again, the other one to to, to, to point out, um, you know, Groot has the he has the moment where he's the heavy in prison, and then he has the moment where he makes that little flower for the child when they're on nowhere. Um, it's just it's. The fact that they got a character voiced by Vin Diesel that says three words to mean this much to you in an hour and 26 minutes, it, it is it is a real marvel of movie making. It really, really, really is, no pun intended. Um, I think that, that that moment really captures it um, in, in a way that kind of the same thing with with casting captain america right you, you know and, and giving him more to do this is kind of the the goofy inverse of exactly what we just talked about where you, you give chris evans more to do and he sets it for the challenge i gotta say you you do have to remember though uh vin diesel basically is still talking about family as groot in that scene so <laughs> <laughs> Very much Vin Diesel's real brand. Yeah, that's why he signed on. Yeah, I'm surprised he what Groot wasn't swinging from a Corona when he said that. (laughs) Groot is the Dom Toretto of the Guardians. He really is. It's We Are Groot. That was that was the number one on my board. Um, For those reasons, it's the most emotionally important, and it hits it like. I remember just seeing that in theaters and you're just like, what? Like you didn't, you do not want to see Groot go away. We just met him. Like we, we want more Groot. Groot. We love Groot. We are Groot. We are like, 
don't don't do this we were all we were all rocket sitting there sad you know getting getting um getting some affection by uh, our guy Drax and and then to be able to see baby Groot happen was was just amazing and just everyone was like oh, yay like I'm pretty sure people cheered when baby Groot showed up if I'm not mistaken um because that scene was just so heartbreaking but also heartfelt at the same time and I can't say it better than Kyle did J- James Gunn does mixes juvenile and heart heartwarming in such a brilliant way and i think that's his bread and butter he he really honed it in with guardians he's given it to us since with with uh suicide squad and even peacemaker and i hope he gives us more like i am james gunn fan because he showed me with guardians he can he can just give us amazing stories that are hilarious and sad and inspiring and we are group really just Oh, it's so good. Like, I mean, that scene's just great. Rocket, everyone else, just their their looks in their eyes, the the uh, effects, such a great scene. Um, Guardians with another W. Any other thoughts, y'all? We yeah, are uh, La Familia. <laughs> Ryan? Yeah, Damon, you mentioned memes uh, regarding the elevator scene. Um that's actually responsible for one of my all-time favorite memes. Um, this goes back, geez, now ages ago now, um, to when uh, Solange of Destiny's Child fame uh, attacked Jay-Z in an elevator after he cheated on Beyonce. And um, I don't remember the exact line, but the quote is basically, you know, Solange after she went after Jay-Z in the elevator, and the picture is Cap standing over all the bodies in the elevator after he knocked them all out. I remember that that was a very fun time on the internet. That was everywhere. Um, all right. Move on. One more. And the Effie goes to Groot's Sacrifice in Guardians of the Galaxy. The nominees for Game of the Year are It's all come down to this. One shot. Wait, no. One game. Game of the Year, the best movie of Phase Two, six movies. The sh- um, they're never going to do this small of a phase ever again, and it, we were kind of surprised uh, when we were doing this. Like, oh wow, it didn't have Civil War. We we kind of for some reason thought it did. It makes sense that it doesn't now. You know, re- when you think about the thematics they were wanting to go with, but still, very re- very big range of quality in these movies. So let's just get to it. That. What's your nom for game of the year? I think, uh, I think we all can, I feel sorry for anyone else who has the third and fourth picks here because it really is only two realistic picks. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to take winter soldier. Uh, I think uh, I'm, got a pretty good idea where the rest of the votes are going to go to, so I'm pretty sure it's not going to win. But I think this is just a a personal preference for movie watching, really. They're both good movies, but for me, when I'm watching movies or I want to watch a movie, I want something that is just like premium rewatchable. And whenever Winter Soldier is on, it doesn't matter what station, doesn't matter what part it's in, 
I know exactly the spot. And it's like, okay, I'm in. I'm going to sit down. I'm gonna, I'm grabbing a drink. I know exactly what's happening here. I'm in. And even though I'm assuming the next, the other pick is going to be Guardians. There are some spots where it does that. But for me, if Guardians is on, I can keep it in the background. I know it's a great movie, but I don't have the same connection to it that I do with Winter Soldier, where if it's on, I'm watching it. So my pick's Winter Soldier. Okay. Michael, your nom is Ant-Man? Or the Dark World. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, it's 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 Mal- all of Malekith's lines from Thor of the Dark World. <laughs> no sense and don't match up to they each other. They did my Paul Eccleston wrong. Yeah, he and deserves they, so much They really better. did. They really such a great actor. It's a it's a waste of like four really good actors like they just they don't get anything out of Rene Russo and that one it, 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 anyway um no mine's mine's um actually you know what you know what I'm gonna do I'm gonna I'm gonna clear out for Kyle because I know I know what I'm gonna vote for but I am gonna nominate Ant Man this is another movie that has no business working as well as it does. It's a really nice cap to the to the end of um the end of the phase. Um they found ways for people to to uh create you know make comedy work in there. Even though I know everyone wanted to see Edgar Wright's version of this, I really think that um the Peyton Reed did a bang up job. Um it's a it's a viable heist movie. Um and you get the dual father daughter narratives right um the stinger with the wasp suit is also really good yeah uh and they really they you know i i don't uh, robert redford is good in winter soldier um but he's not he isn't given kind of the room to flex that michael douglas is given in ant-man so even though I know that I'm not going to vote for this, I really want to just give it some time and, and shout it out. This is a better movie than it than it needs to be, and in a um, in a very up and down phase, this is as close as you get to just like a solid B. So I'm gonna I'm gonna put it up there. Kyle, your nom is the Dark World. So Daredevil season one. No, uh... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, it's thank you, Michael. Um, we're in agreement here, but I appreciate you you deferring. I Guardians of the Galaxy is um, so until December of last year, uh, my two favorite MCU movies were Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two in the number one spot. Yep, haters come the fuck at me. Um, and number two was was this one, Guardians of the Galaxy, until December of last year, and then a little indie movie came around and kind of knocked out uh, the number two spot. Um, but I I mentioned it before, I think James Gunn has that unique knack for combining the juvenile and the heartfelt and the sincerity and, and all of that. But what I think most, what I think makes this movie work the most, and I am gonna pull this from a subtle plug to Kyle Duran's Letterboxd, um, where he puts low effort reviews up uh, at 3 a.m. when he's drunk. Um, I am just going to pull this little sentence I, I came up with, which is that when you look at all these movies, the Avengers are not a family, no matter how much people say they are. They're co-workers who usually like each other and sometimes hate each other and fight. 
The Guardians are a family because they have to earn that. They're survivors of trauma who usually hate each other but are always there when they need each other. They are a bunch of a-holes. Um, and I think that describes why the two Guardians movies are so special and why they mean so much to so many people. The Avengers movies, yes, uh, when we feel the losses, we really do. Like, it's because we've been with these characters for so long. With Infinity War and Endgame, it hurts when, you know, when Stark dies, when Vision dies. It hurts in Civil War when Cap and Stark were fighting. Cap and Stark were never friends. They were acquaintances at best. They were co-workers who hated each other. Uh, Guardians inverses that, and it starts off with people who hate each other. Um, they are brought together in prison with each of them having different motives, um, self-serving motives, and over the course of the movie have to learn how to come together and be a family and actually work together as a unit. Drax has to figure out how to overcome his bitterness and hatred towards the daughter of Thanos, the guy who killed his family. You know, um, Rocket has to overcome his insecurity of, of basically this trauma that he experienced of how he became who he is of being experimented on and Drax calling him a rodent and, and having to overcome that. So it feels so much more earned at the end of the movie, like we have mentioned before in the group scene, when Drax is comforting him. Again, it's that it's that James Gunn combo of a funny moment of him like petting him on the head that quickly turns into this really sincere, heartfelt moment of like they have come to the point where this is it means something that he is comforting him. Um, and so I think that the movie just knocks it out of the park. And that's not to say all the other reasons that people always talk about why this movie is great. It's a game changer in the fact that it starts caring about the soundtrack for the first time in a Marvel movie. Captain America kind of does that with Trouble Man, but like, you know, the first time we actually paid notice to a soundtrack in an MCU movie was Guardians of the Galaxy. I have that vinyl. I have both, both movies uh, soundtrack on vinyl. Um, it is also the first movie that lets itself be funny in kind of a dark-edged way. I mean, Iron Man kind of attempts it at some points, but like I said, you get the Pollock joke, even if it doesn't make biological sense, like Damon said earlier. Like, you get the Pollock joke that goes for it. You get a lot of stuff, like you get Yondu, who, uh, you know, threatened to, to eat Peter Quill as a young kid. Um, I think that it's funny because I went to go see this movie a couple weeks after it came out. And I saw it by myself, like I mentioned. I saw it the next day. I wanted to watch it again with some friends. And I had told them before going to see it, like, guys, it's the funniest movie ever. You're going to love it. And, you know, the movie starts with one of the saddest moments in all of the MCU of Peter losing his mom to cancer. And my friend and his mom both looked over at me, already tears in their eyes, like, what the fuck is wrong with you? This is not funny. <laughs> uh, and I was like, just wait, he's going to start dancing to Redbone. Don't worry. <laughs> Uh, and then the rest of the movie happens and it is just, it's memorable, it is funny, it's heartfelt when it matters and it sets up a lot of people who are still kind of the fan favorites of the MCU. Rocket is one of my personal favorites. Gamora is a fan favorite for a lot of reasons. Peter Quill, people kind of, kind of go back and forth on, but for a while he was a big favorite of, of a lot of people. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's the, the clear choice. Before Chris Pratt ruined Peter Quill, and also Infinity War really just slandered the... He, he can never recover from Infinity War, I don't think. Um, lovely spill. I love that movie. So I'm just not going to nominate one. We're going to... No, I'm going to nominate Avengers Age of Ultron. Um, it gets a hell of a lot of hate. Um, 
I've gone back and forth on it on being like it's it's bloated, it's very very flawed, it's underrated, it's overrated. Um, but the last two times I watched it, I just come to the point that it's it's a flawed fun movie. It's just I like it. It definitely has a lot of parts that I don't like, but overall I think it is a good movie. It's an important movie to the MCU, even more so now. Um, and like I said earlier, it might be the first hour of the movies, maybe one of the best hours of MCU. Okay, from beginning to to fifty, I think it at fifty at the fifty eight minute mark, it kind of starts, it loses the momentum. But that that fifty eight minutes is just so fun, so good. I love it. And I mean, you get great performances. Like Hal said earlier, it's the only movie where the Avengers are an actual team and working together. It seems like they've been on missions for the last few months. Really wish we could have gotten some more of that action, you know, just seeing them do these missions and hunt down Strucker and, and beat down Hydra agents. That would have been great, but that's not what movies are for. It's for the big conflicts. And we get that in Age of Ultron. Tony and Bruce, their hubris leads to Ultron. We get tension in everyone. We get the the one of the things that doesn't work in the movie with Bruce and Nat. Like I said earlier, I think Bruce and Nat could work, could have worked. There's no reason why they couldn't have, but what they did didn't work. Um, Hawkeye, I think, is his best movie. He's it. It's funny because Nat makes the joke. Uh, you know, we really need him around to to us to pretend like we really need him. Um, it's hilarious, but they do need him. I mean, he's he brings levity. He brings that Hawkeye, Clint Barton kind of outlook on everything. The scene with him and Wanda is really, really well done, and I love it. And I really hope before Clint retires completely or officially or dies we get more of him and wanda interacting you know show more on that bond um and yeah we've talked about several of the fights we talked about ultron the whole sokovia scene was a lot it was fun fighting and vision we got vision the birth of vision was really well done and you mentioned it earlier with with paul bettany's performance but i i made a note section for one note that was the best way to show that they could trust vision because like, why the hell were they going to trust this? Another sentient AI being after literally they just, this just happened with Ultron. Oh, okay, cool. You know, that hammer that no one else could lift up earlier. Vision did it. (laughs) That is foreshadowing to a T and it was beautiful. And everyone was just like, just staring. And then Thor is just like, well, Let's go. I'm I'm good. Let's go. I believe him. Um, I, I love that movie. I really do. I, I think it's definitely underrated. I don't know where it's going to end up in my new rankings once we're we're done with all of these the movies, but it definitely needs to be um, in these top four. The other two, I will say. Hot take. Iron Man three is my favorite Iron Man. Don't do that. Don't do that. Yeah, this this has been Don't fun, guys. That. I gotta go. I gotta go uh, do a doctor's appointment. Do I forgot about. We won't talk about that because we'll be here way longer. Than, but we'll talk about it off pot. Um, anyway, no, we won't. No, we won't. 
<laughs> we will not talk about it off pod. We have Winter Soldier, Ant-Man, Guardians of the Galaxy, and Age of Ultron up for best movie of Phase 2 of the MCU. Michael, your vote? It's Guardians. Um, I've alluded to it before. Uh, Iron Man is incredibly important because it's the one that got it off the off the ground. The first Avengers movie is really good. You know, again, you you prove the concept of the team up, right? We're building these movies with these stingers into something that's going to be a whole thing. Um, I I still uh, to me, uh, it's Black Panther uh in uh civil war and infinity war and those three just rotate in the top spot what they're able to accomplish um is is just beyond uh, i think what we could have expected or hoped for for different types of things from a marvel movie uh but guardians being the one right in the middle phase where they go, we've got these heroes. Everybody knows who Captain America is. Every people knew who Iron Man was, even if he wasn't the you know, the A list X Men characters. You know, we, we we had built this team. It's this classic team that we understand. You know, it's a it's a it's a bunch of white guys and one girl, and we we all can do it. And and now we're gonna have a fucking green gal, a tree, a raccoon, a weird dude that doesn't have a sense of humor. Um, and again, the through the pull through of take my hand from the beginning to the end, Peter being more than he seems. Um, I do not like Chris Pratt as a human being, as a staff, as a record label, as a motherfucking crew. And if you want to be down with Chris Pratt, then if you do, I don't think he's very good in anything except playing Peter Quill. He's the right type of he's a he's a good fighter. Um, he's a natural leader that tends to kind of undermine himself at times. He's a Lothario. He pulls all of this off in this movie and then does give you a counterpoint for the rest of the, you know, their ability to play comedically off of Thor, um, to to be the heart, the, the people that give um thanos some gravitas as he tears that team apart and kills gamora um i think that as the movies go on what star lord does in, in that you know the whole like him messing up and taking the infinity gauntlet off i mean again like you know i think that's forgivable the, the further away we get from it especially knowing that that was gonna they were gonna come back anyway but this movie proving that Marvel could go space opera too. It's, it's, it's super important. And it's what's letting them do Moon Knight. It's what let them be, be weird with WandaVision. It's what's going to let them go all the directions they want to go, knowing that they could pull this off and they, and they have the right set of people, the right ideas. It's super important. I love that. Kyle, your vote. Uh, yeah, it is. Um, I, I'm, I'm thinking about like I'm, I don't want to. I'm trying to think if I want to say this for Phase Three when we're actually talking about Infinity War. I I just want to say one thing about the the Peter Quill thing in that in that moment. 
Um, I think it's really interesting and funny that people don't bat an eyelash at the the moment in Civil War when Tony Stark finds out about his parents and immediately blasts Bucky away. People are like, yeah, it makes sense. It's a it's a human reaction. But for Peter Quill to find out that his girlfriend just got killed by Thanos to then do the exact same thing, and suddenly I think it I think it's more because of the context. It's because it loses them the battle. So I get it. Um, but I think that that moment, and again, we're not talking about Infinity War, I get that, but that moment exemplifies why I agree with Michael. I, I hate Chris Pratt, not a fan. Um, I think he's pretty one note. Um, but I think that he, in this movie, and especially in the second Guardians, I think that he does a really great job of giving you this character who is, I mean, because he was taken at such a young age, is kind of like emotionally stunted and almost like stunted in age. <laughs> like he just never grew up, right? Like he is a character who is stuck in the past, who is stuck in um, just reliving kind of this music as a, as the last living connection to his mom um, and, and not knowing who his, who his father is. And I, I think that is the perfect way to bring in a central character, to bring in this, this family of misfits, right? Like you have, you have him as the leader, but then you also have a character like Drax, who lost his family to Thanos and is hellbent on on getting revenge. But you know that could have just been played straight, and maybe it would have been great because Dave Bautista has proven that he's a great actor. But the fact that it's played like that, and then you get moments like Damon's uh, quote, like the the reflex line is just fucking hilarious right and it only gets better in his future movies like infinity war when he's pretending to be invisible you know like stuff like that it's incredible stuff um and dave batista sells it and you get characters like gamora who is on the flip side of that who kind of also has lost everything to thanos right like she is a part of his family but not by choice and she's lost her entire life to him, as we see expounded upon in Infinity War, right? Her, her entire planet was slaughtered by him and she had to become his de facto daughter. Um, and the connection between her and Nebula. Now, I, I remember seeing this movie originally and really hating the way they handled Nebula. I wasn't a fan of the way she was portrayed. I thought that she was really underhanded. That's why I love the second movie. It's one of the many reasons I love the second movie, but I love the way that they handled their relationship in the second movie. It expounds upon it and you really buy their dynamic. Um, you get characters like Rocket and Groot, who again, we just mentioned with the We Are Groot scene, like that should not work and it should not be a moment that like, I rewatched this movie and prep for the pod for probably the 10th time. Like I've seen this movie so many times and the 10th time I was still welling up when it happened because that connection is so genuine and heartfelt. And it's that connection between, we've been talking a lot about Four Loco Man himself, Vin Diesel as uh, Groot, but like, Bradley Cooper as Rocket is just fucking is a revelation. Like he's pulling Joe Pesci, he's pulling like all kinds of inspirations as Rocket, and he's so good. And it works. It makes them work as a unit and as a team, but specifically Rocket and Groot as as a soul. Like I remember when the movie came out, everyone before we got all these spin-off shows was like, give us a Rocket and Groot miniseries or, or a TV show. I still want that. Like I would be so into seeing that. Um, especially if my predictions are right and we lose Rocket in Guardians 3. Like, I, I want to see more Rocket. I want to see him, him and Groot together. Um, but the movie just works in, in the sense that it is it is juvenile, but it is heartfelt. And as soon as it starts to teeter too much in one of those directions, something pulls it back, right? Like, as soon as they start making one too many fart jokes or dick jokes or whatever, you get Groot lighting up the way for them with these 
fireflies or whatever. Like it always finds this incredible balance. And it's a testament to how good it is that we've been talking about villains. Like you tell me you remember a single line Ronan says in that movie. You can't. Like he's just so forgettable. And poor Lee Pace could have done so much more with that role given the context. Um, and it's kind of a bummer that he get he got a second chance and he was still the most underwhelming part of Captain Marvel, you know? Uh, so I, I just, I, I think that it is a testament to how strong the rest of the movie is that you get that part and you still don't care. You're just like, yeah, the rest of it has enough personality to make up for it. So my vote is definitely for Guardians of the Galaxy. Okay. Sad. Your vote. Uh- even though my vote is not going to Guardians, I do have to say that uh, young Thad reading the Guardians comics and having his his friends just looking over his shoulder and just like, the hell is that? Is that a raccoon with a rocket? Like, who's this green girl? with? Why is that sword like four times bigger than her? <laughs> and then, oh, you know what? Going back to our What If Award, Guardians actually has one of my favorite What Ifs that we just found out a few weeks ago that um, Zoe Saldana should not have even been Gamora. It was given, and they casted Amanda Seyfried as as Gamora, and she turned it down because she thought the movie was going to flop. With her, it would have. <laughs> wow, shots. Um, Sorry, but... <laughs> I, love I love her, but not as Gamora, no. But yeah, like like you all have said, the movie shouldn't work. It works. But uh, yeah, my vote is still going for Winter Soldier. All right. So, I mean, I, there's really nothing else I can add about Guardians. It It's so good. It is one of my favorite movies of the MCU. I believe it is probably my most rewatched slash most or at least most rewatchable of the MCU. It, it just has that quality about it to where, like Thad said about the Winter Soldier, I can jump in at any moment and, of it, and I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm ready. I know what's about to come. I'm I'm in. The, whole, the, the ensemble, the whole crew of the Guardians and their chemistry together and how they, you know, butted heads and really became a family by earning it and, like, you know, having those little stumbles at first. It's just, it's so funny, so heartwarming some of the best line deliveries in, in even a movie where the, the villain was so underwhelming. It's just, it doesn't even matter because everything else works so well. I mean, this was the movie that essentially when it succeeded, Marvel was like, okay, we're there. We can, we can do whatever we have. We have liftoff because everyone was like, when it was coming out, when everyone was like guardians of the what? What in movies? Like, yeah, I'm not. Are you gonna go see that? What is this even about? Everyone's like, they're making movies about things we never even heard of. Like, you know, the whole idea of Phase One was like they're making movies of these C-list Marvel characters. You know, like, you know, you've heard of Iron Man and Thor, but like they're Iron Man and Thor. They're not Spider Man and Wolverine. And then it worked. And then of course this happens. Like, oh well, these are the DF characters. You know, like these are people like. Literally, like, what's the point? And then it comes out. I remember go seeing it. I'm pretty sure it was the weekend of because I was at that point. I was all I was in. I'm like, I'm I'm seeing everything. 
And I was like, oh, my God, this is the funniest movie I'd seen in a minute. And honestly, it's it's probably one of the funniest movies of the 2010s. It really is just so funny. It hits on so many levels. Um, physical comedy, great one-liners, it, situational comedy. I mean, you have it all. It's great. But my vote's Captain America, the Winter Soldier. Um, this was my favorite movie of the MCU up until the end of Phase 3. And we'll see where it ranks at the end of all this rewatch. It will be in the top five. There's no way it's going to be removed from that. And it's definitely one. It's number one of both phase one and phase two for me. Guardians is like literally like poking its back. Like, hey, I'm right behind you. What's up? It's on it's on your left, but it's never catching up. Um, I love Guardians, but Captain America, the Winter Soldier, like I've told you all before, when, like when that watched that movie, I fell in love with Captain America with Chris Evans, the whole idea of it, that story, it just the fact that what you're believing in is a complete farce. you know, what they've been working for for all that time has just been like actually ulterior motives. They've been like trying to create this world of chaos and uneasiness to get to the point to where they can control it and, and protect it in these very nefarious ways. And you have Cap who's just, Nope, not not going to let it happen. He's unwielding. He won't back down. He becomes a, a fugitive of S.H.I.E.L.D. And we get to meet Sam, who I think is just a lovely addition to the team, him and Cap. We, we talked about uh, Sam and Bucky's chemistry. Their chemistry is great. Sam and Cap's chemistry is one of my favorite duo chemistries in MCU. They just work so well together from the moment they meet. On your left, iconic, like... And then we get that callback, of course, later on. We'll talk about that in phase three. Um, and just like Michael brought up, they're they're talking about, you know, they're relating to, you know, it doesn't feel the same coming back from from war and from the service and just all that. And then you have Cap and, and Nat, which is probably the most sexual chemistry we have in the MCU. That's what gets my vote, personally. If they didn't fuck, then what the fuck were they doing? Like, I don't know. They, it's just, I, the, the chemistry works so well. They work so well together. I'm really glad they're put, they're doing a movie together again. Uh, I think they're working on it soon. I don't know what it's about. I don't care. They're, they're great together. And it's just Nick Fury. We get probably other than Captain Marvel, the most Nick Fury we could get that, you know, it's, I guess the first Avengers, he's great in it. Winter Soldier is just this, mysterious enigma for the first half and then we get the bucky reveal and it's just layers on layers and i i could go on and on about it it's just it does this so you know it does the thriller spy aspect of it really really well and it blends into the superhero aspect in a way that just it worked it was fast it was tense it was very exciting and kept you on your toes i, I just i never am bored when i'm watching this movie like when a scene happens, like, oh, man, I love that scene. What's about that? Oh, I love this scene. I'm, I'm ready for the next one. It just keeps going and escalating. Um, probably like my least favorite scene is probably the ending. And it's still great. Like you have the whole Bucky Cap showdowns. Like I'm not, you know, I'm not leaving you. I'm not going to stop. You know, it's just like Cap 
can do this all day and he's going to, he'll do anything for Bucky. We see that that's a very big tagline through the rest of the movies, but it's just everything about the winter soldier hits for me. And it's just, I don't know. It's, it's close to perfect for me as you can get in the MCU. So that's my vote. So that means tiebreaker. Ryan. Wow. Okay. Of course we have a tie for this. And uh, it's another really difficult one. Um, geez. I love guardians. Um, it's, it's great. It's great for all the reasons you guys have laid out. Um, I don't want to rehash that because that will be here all night, but I, I truly love that movie. Um, and it's, it's fantastic. But, um, Similar to Michael, uh, I have uh, Winter Soldier in my top three. Um, I go back and forth between Black Panther. Um, not as much Ragnarok, but that's a little closer behind. But um, Winter Soldier is definitely my one or two, and so that is going to be my vote. I just, I, I think it's the defining movie for, as Damon said, the first two phases of the MCU, um, and just one of the ones that you will think of uh, if not first, um, definitely, uh, you know, right around there when you think of the MCU as a whole. So, uh, Captain America Winter Soldier is my vote. And there we have it. Winter Soldier takes the W for Game of the Year. And the FE goes to... Captain America, the Winter Soldier. All right. Those are the FEs, y'all. Those are the awards. That was a lot of fun. Winter Soldier did pretty well. Guardians as well. Um, Iron Man 3 and Dark World was sitting on their couches eating popcorn in their pajamas. <laughs> um, no calls. But do we have any closing remarks or thoughts or anything you just wanted to mention about the movies that we did not get to in the awards? Kyle, what you got? Uh, this is less about like this phase, but it is a lot of fun watching this stuff in retrospect now. Like I was just saying, like when I, when I was watching rewatching Winter Soldier, it's great watching it, like watching the introduction to Sam and now, like watching the movie and being like, yeah, that's Captain America now, and it's just like I felt like really proud of him. Like it was the first time I'd rewatched it since watching Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and I was like, this is incredible. Like I'm so proud of the way Sam has has come into his own as a as a leader and like is is kind of like the one of the lead characters of the MCU, you know, um, and same with, you know, like stuff like Wanda. I mean, Wanda's introduction in Age of Ultron, it's really funny watching it now considering she, like, you almost unanimous, unanimously, like, top three, if, if not the favorite MCU character, right? To the point where people are already like, she could do whatever the fuck she wants in Multiverse of Madness. I'm going to be on her, on her side. Uh, and, like, getting her introduction in, in Age of Ultron is really interesting because you're it's tough to, like Ryan made the joke about her accent and that's one thing but like just getting a read on like who she's going to be as a character and what, what she's what role she's going to play on, on the team and I, I love it I love looking at the stuff looking back at it and seeing how far the MCU has come since then because um, it's weird to think of like I, this doesn't pertain to these movies but I was telling Damon and, and Ryan and my friend Anna that I was re-watching um daredevil and damon was like yeah that's it's the seven year anniversary of that first season and i was like you're lying you're lying to me that doesn't make that doesn't in my head compute that doesn't make any sense 
um, it just feels so far removed now. Like it's just, it's interesting to be at this point now looking at the MCU, how big it's become as opposed to, you know, the, the phase two feels relatively very small in comparison, you know, it's very, very like intimate. Um, so it's been a lot of fun looking back at it. Yeah. I mean, I just kind of want to echo that. It's so fun rewatching these after all the movies and shows we watched and just building up on the history because you're seeing the beginnings of, of certain things and we know how it's going to end. And I, I said this when I was watching Age of Ultron to y'all the other day. It's like the scene where Wanda plants that memory. I mean, that uh, that vision in Tony's head where, you know, everyone's dead and the whales are swimming around and, and Cap's like, you could have done more, Tony. Mm-hmm. It's like that scene hits so different now yeah. after watching Infinity War and Endgame. And like Tony did way more. Tony did did the most. And uh, yeah, it's just like it's, it's just little things like that. Just it makes rewatching these movies like these movies have so much rewatchability for stuff like that. Like as soon as another property comes out, it's like okay, well I might I might end up watching uh, rewatching all the Ant Man's after Quantum Mania because it's gonna it's gonna be a different experience. And I just one of the many things I love about the MCU. Bad. Your closing thoughts? Yeah, my uh, my closing thoughts are exactly kind of on the same lines of what you guys were saying. Just looking back at it and just some of my notes are just wild for this phase. <laughs> like if you would have <laughs> asked us before, like I have a note here that says, uh, please Vera Farmiga, um, <laughs> her accent, just get rid of it. <laughs> like. So Vera Farmiga in uh, in The Departed has like a terrible Boston accent, and then midway through the movie they just like scrap it, and then she's just like, "Nope, you're just <laughs> you're just from the Midwest now. That's it." Like, like so one of my notes is just like, "Please have her Vera Farmiga her accent." <laughs> <laughs> um, Rocket Raccoon is the Adrian Beltre of the MCU. Like, no one touched the back of my head. <laughs> and then uh why did not again not that we don't all love uh wanda why did we not cast saoirse ronan as wanda she was up she for was... the role she was a finalist for the role was she she I was i don't know if i could see that i oh, love saoirse ronan i'm glad they did i, just, I think yeah. she would have been okay but i don't know i just really like emily's I mean, Elizabeth's uh, work as it. Yeah. Hmm. Those are some wild notes. You should send us the rest of those, Dad. <laughs> um, Michael, your, your closing thoughts on Phase 2. Shout out Joe and Anthony Russo. Yeah. They found Ellie. the right people that can do... They can put heart into the action. And I know most of the Marvel stuff is pre-scripted. Um, but they found ways into these characters um and there are you know the the four movies that they directed across the mcu are four of the strongest in there um while also kind of developing their own house style um they're the guys behind the a24 affiliated imprint that have made a number of movies that haven't been super successful and they made everything everywhere all at once they're 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 the guys that are kind of kind of helping bankroll and get that 
out there. So, um, you know, using what they've done and, and the success that they've been able to have and trying to put other filmmakers out there and find other things that are uh, not just in franchise, um, you know, IP zones, but uh, from their working community, you can really see the through line of like, oh, we're going to be able to shoot this at least action sequences with comedy and heart. Um, they really did a good job of kind of taking taking the reins from John Favreau and keeping the train going as it spread out and, and got better. And um, that's really hard. I mean, Robert Rodriguez couldn't do it with Book of Boba Fett, right? Um, it's incredibly hard to find, you know, to, to go from like one franchise quarterback to the next franchise quarterback. Um, you know, shout out to all my Saints fans out there that are trying to figure out what's going to happen after Drew Brees. Um, but they did a bang up job and starting in this phase with how do we make these characters that everyone likes into characters they love. Very well said. Ryan, thank you for joining us so much today while the Warriors are playing. You're a champ. Did you have any any thoughts that uh, we didn't say or anything that uh, you wanted to say to the people before we get out of here? Uh, yes, and I, I will be uh, filling you guys for my time since I had to. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, real quick, um, I, I just thought that phase two was really crucial um, to the overall MCU project. Um, I, I, you could argue it was at the end of phase one, but phase two and its um, overall success is what really sort of differentiates Marvel from other properties. Like it, it's for when it really could have gone from you know, to being like Star Wars, where it's like, okay, we're going to trade off between like some good movies and some bad movies versus no, we're going to put out banger after banger. And, you know, you know, like it or not, for whatever this says about overall cinema, like these are going to be like some of the most influential, like pop culture features uh in this time and um it it, it was really after season two, sorry, season two phase two when you could really see that happening and so yeah i think um that is, shows just how important and impactful it really was <coughs> thank you so much ron for your time and helping to produce michael thad thank you all so much for joining us this has been a blast the only podcast where we give howard the duck an award <laughs> <laughs> We're special. Um, thank you, everyone at home, for listening in. Hope y'all had a blast listening. And rewatch the Phase 2 if you haven't in a while. Some really great ones. Um, we'll have Phase 3 Effies coming down the road at some point soon. We got some really fun ones coming. And, uh, yeah, I hope y'all just keep enjoying. Let us know if you have any ideas or or idea, you know, comments or criticisms on how we can do better. Uh, Kyle, what you got for the people? Yeah, thank you so much for listening. Next week to close out the month of April, we are closing out our Stewards of Sound series with the 2010s. We'll be joined by our good pals, uh, Olivia, Hannah, and Dom, um, drafting all kinds of 2010s music. And then May is going to be chock full of some some Effies and uh, a video game draft and a Star Wars draft. So stay tuned for that. It's going to be a lot of fun. Can't wait to uh, to dive into that stuff. So we'll catch you all next week. This is what we do.